Hideo Kojima has been a standard bearer for the very best that the gaming medium has to offer, and has inspired many into creating a mature art form. That guy, like, he's, he's such a genius, and uh, I'm just doing whatever he says, you know, and he's like, we're gonna make people cry. I'm like, for a video game? And he's like, yep. What the cause Kojima is, uh, the master, is uh, Kasparov of, of, uh, of video games. And then he goes, he goes, and I go, playing me? And he goes, no, they'll be you. It's not, obviously, it's not story-driven in the sense that we go from A to Z, like we do in a film. It is out of time, out of space. It is in the moment. So I think the opportunity of, of doing things we've never done before could be very interesting. He is to gaming in many ways uh, what Cameron or Spielberg are to filmmaking. His absolute passion for perfection and his narrative ambition and scope. There is nothing in his stories that he does not love and feel strongly about. You can see strands of action, strands of manga, anime, tokusatsu, epics and existential philosophy. He believes, as I do, that we must cherish this medium not only for the entertainment possibilities, but for its artistic ones. We both believe that these things, these strands of pop culture, are actually keys to the mythology of our century. He proves that an altruistic boy's ambition can sing loud and clear above the din of sameness, and that an individual with conviction and faith can manage anything through hard work. It is my great pleasure to introduce a creator, an innovator, and an awesome dude. Ladies and gentlemen, Hideo Kojima! Hello everyone, I'm back! Greetings everyone, and welcome to the episode 21 of the Death Stranding podcast. It is Tuesday, March 27th, and there are 9 days till PAX East, 76 days till E3 2018, and 146 days till Gamescom. I am this episode's host, Eddie. I'm filling in for the boss, Albert, as he is doing more marvelous things for interactive artistry during this episode's recording. Today, I'm joined by my co-hosts. Please introduce yourselves, starting with Mitchell. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm uh, back. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I thought you were... <laughs> Do I like, keep going? Uh, like, uh, giving awkward silence. Energy. No, yeah, yes, uh, Philip again. And uh, yeah, glad to be back. It's like... Uh, morning in Germany, so uh, I can catch this episode too. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like time is always fighting us here at Interactive Artistry, but we're doing some good stuff here. Right. So, the currently in production upcoming title for Hideo Kojima and Kojima Productions is why we're here, as well as news and discussion of the game itself. We also cover Mr. Kojima's many and varied influences, everything from literature to film, poetry, TV, and more. Our mission is to showcase and celebrate just how culturally, intellectually, artistically, and philosophically enriching and eclectic Mr. Kojima's work truly is. Leading up to and following the game's eventual release, with that regular sh rundown out of the way, let's get this show started. <laughs> nice one. I love how serious you were. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. man. It's hard being. Uh, it's hard being the boss. Did you have, like, it's the hard being Albert. Written out, uh, all of that. Uh, I had some of it written out i'm sweating up a storm in here guys well you got through it quicker than we usually do so that's we're, try we're trying to make you proud albert we're trying to make yeah. you proud i think i finally passed my nervous <laughs> phase and i feel like it's more i'm talking with friends instead of 
people I looked up to. Uh, that's only because the the boss is out of the home. <laughs> only, yeah, yeah. only once he's out, we can do whatever. It's a, you know, we're in the break room. We're in the break room now and just, you know, hanging out, talking about the boss oh, behind his back. He's Australian. <laughs> No, well, so let's start with the let's start with the weekly catch up. Yeah. So, so what's been going on with you guys? Oh uh, yeah, what's been going on? Um, a lot of work, like, um, and I'm uh, right now actually I'm uh, into Warframe. <laughs> so, basically, uh, every every minute of my gaming time is now spent uh, looking at tiny numbers going up. Which is funny because I always uh, I always uh, thought about myself as like. Uh, a narrative gamer like someone who who values the the storytelling aspect of games that's why i'm here obviously um and now i really fell into this uh, this uh, like grinding hole <laughs> where you just like uh, if uh, anyone doesn't know what warframe is it's like a free to play online shooter but it's a great one and you uh, you basically kill tons and tons of enemies and just do the same thing over and over again for loot and glory, and uh, it's totally addicting. <laughs> when you say oh, online shooter, is this uh, is it like uh, no, it's uh, bird's eye view or is it first person view? Like you run around in the levels with uh, no bodies and just try to shoot everything as fast as you can while looking awesome. Have you ever like uh, played Space Destiny? Ninjas? <laughs> Come have again? Uh, Eddie, have you ever played? Uh, Destiny. Oh yeah, it's uh, actually yeah, like, it's, it's uh, just it's like Destiny. Right. I was about to say yeah, I was about to say yeah, is it the a better version like of it's, Destiny? It's actually it's free. Uh, like people call it like the 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 game uh, what Destiny was supposed to be, but I'm I never played or really played Destiny, so I can't attest to that. I've put in over it's just like one one thousand something that hours. that fills up mm. my life right now. So. uh Sorry, didn't catch you. I've, I've put 1,500 hours into Destiny 1, so I can attest that uh, <laughs> yeah. Destiny, um, Bungie, oh, you know, wow. stick their hands up their asses because I uh, do not like them anymore at all. So I really like what... Uh, it's like, um, was that because of Destiny 2 or was that just, until, you know... And eventually Destiny 2 came out and I was like, wow, this is really fun. And I beat it within like a day and then I was like... About within mm. three weeks, I put it down and yeah, then never picked it up again. And then, especially with they, the, they have the, the holiday things and the DLC, I was like, "Yeah, they didn't learn anything." So I, I'm done with them. I'm not yeah. building anything. But digital streams, they're like if Bungie actually was Bungie and not who they are now, because they actually digital yeah. streams. I think you broke up there like uh, a million times. <laughs> if Bungie actually cared. Yeah, uh, anyway, but in uh, Death Stranding news, um, there, there wasn't much, I think, but that's a different segment, right? So, like, just on a personal level, like, it was... Yeah. Um, I'm kind yeah. of uh, hungry for Death Stranding news uh, and killing time playing Warframe. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. Got you. Well, what about you, Mitchell? Yeah. What's, what's been happening in your week? Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, it's my, um, my... Got back from a trip? Grandmother's 88... Fourth birthday and my brother's sixth birthday. Yeah, they were yeah. born on the same day, um, so cool. So yeah, yeah, they are ninety. <laughs> yeah, so and together they're ninety years old. Um, but yeah, it, it was good. She got some new teeth, so uh, she was smiling the entire time. You got some new teeth. Yeah, she she's had teeth problems all her, her ah, life. Ah, okay. And so basically, <laughs> she had like four teeth, 
And so she got dentures in, and I hadn't seen her since she got her new dentures. And so we walk in, and she's smiling, and I haven't seen her smile in years. And it was a really good uh, time with her cupcakes. Oh, that's freaky. Talked, we met up with family and all my cousins and stuff. So it was a, it was a lot of fun. And um, right. Yeah, and I've I've been working on my uh, yeah. my, uh, my my book or short story or whatever it is now. I got a. Oh right, yeah. Charge. You you like posted uh, yeah. um, your. Uh, Sorry, I don't know the word. Outline. <laughs> like the, the the front page or something. Yeah, the, the, basically I have an outline that I'm working on. I'm almost done with it. That was an outline. Um, basically, that's each thing like, of wasn't each it chapter. Chapter? Chapter titles? The chapter titles. And basically I'm just writing short synopsis of each what, what, what goes down in each chapter. Because I'm very slow at writing. And basically I want to know what I'm doing from start to finish so I can just write it. You know, so I'm not like, what am I writing next? Yeah, nice. So working that yeah yeah it's been like that uh daniela and i streamed on monday that was a lot of fun we did uh, a way out so oh cool how was it it was a lot of fun um we recorded for about yeah just under three hours like two hours and 55 minutes nice it's a lot of fun okay don't spoil it i'm like up for it tomorrow with a friend yeah yeah and we'll try to get through it in one sitting like it's it's supposed to be like six hours long mm -hmm. or something About five I hours. actually really like that. About five and like it's it's twenty nine dollars and six hours long. I think that's perfect for narrative. Have game. you said? Uh, have you tried a uh, Hellblade? Ooh, yeah, that's nice choice. Yeah, uh, I I played. I it. have. Yeah, yeah. I, have played you played it? it? Like, Philip, amazing. Yeah, gameplay was a bit on the so so side. Like, how how finding long? finding clues in the environment was a bit. Yeah. Eh, how long did it take you? Like, I never had, like, such big chills watching a cutscene. <laughs> yeah, more games like that. I've, se I've seen the rise in recent years because with the beginning of the PS3 and then the PS4 era, the death of middle games. So either now, because before we had, the, you know, the cheap $20 games, then we got the mid-tier, right. you know, about eight-hour games, you know, maybe some multiplayer, but not you know, usually just yeah, like the, single the player. Double A games. Yeah, double A. So we got A, double A. And then we had AAA, which were like whatever, 20 hours long and, you know, multiplayer. Mm. And Where does that modes. even come from? Like the the AA, AAA moniker? Um, like I uh, never understood it, it, what it came from, AAA means. Uh, phone books, I believe. And basically, phone, and books? phone books, they're alphabetical in America. Okay. In America, they're alphabetical. So if you have AAA, right. you come up first. Ah, so there was triple okay. A, so like name they, of your uh, company, the, the premier ones. So basically, basically the... people would just put triple A, like triple A storage or triple A coffee shop, or whatever. So when you oh. would open up a phone book in the back then, you'd open it up because that's you didn't have the internet, and you'd say, "Oh, triple A coffee, I'll go there," and you just call in like, "Hey, do you guys have coffee?" And like, "Yep, we're open these times." So amazing. Yeah, I think that's where uh, it spawned cool. from. Learned something new today. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, how <laughs> how was your week, Eddie? I didn't know that either. <laughs> uh, mine is pretty good. Uh, let's see. Mostly work. I mean, it's, it's still technically the start of the week, but I got a new machine. And, you know, I don't want to kind of bring up this whole argument with people, but I'm going to have to, I guess. I went mm. from a Windows to a MacBook. And I think... I think both are great, but 
for business purposes, I don't think MacBooks are. What what what, what, are, you, what are you working on? You know, very like what, efficient. What, are, what kind of a? But whatever. I needed. A, I need. Well, I, I'm. So I'm working on a bunch of uh, videos, for work and things like that. And the processing power is fine. There's a lot of policy and things that come with it. So, for it, from a business standpoint. I'm not a big fan of mm-hmm. using a Mac just because they're so restrictive and a lot of the things that I have to do in my daily tasks are a lot okay, easier yeah. to do on a PC and it's but just really that. It's the convenience like, factor. I don't know, After Effects, so. Premiere, like the Adobe suite and it's the same on both of them. No, and that's the thing. And that's the thing. Like, you, uh, I am not using those. I use right. the Adobe suite at home for my personal stuff but not for, you know, that's not some, and that, that's kind of what it boils down to when you're working for a company when you use what they want you to use i I could technically pick what i want but just for the use case it's different so you know the capabilities are different the features are different and it's just you know it's a mess to figure out but other than that things are pretty good uh it's i'm out here in la and it's it's actually been pretty cold lately I'm really hoping yeah. that it gets warm yeah, in soon. Hamburg, it's also shitty. Uh, shitty as but fuck. as far <laughs> oh wait, can we swear on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, surprised yeah, we're, we're not I'm shivering right, home, right so. now. No, but is it, you know with yeah, with gaming, I've been playing. I, this is one of the things I kind of wanted to talk to to both of you guys about. Is um, as far as gaming, I I I struggle to find time mm. to play, and now I'm forcing myself to. And at first it started to become a chore, but now I'm getting back into the swing of things, but I still feel like I'm behind and I'm playing Nier Automata. Uh, And it's, so far I think it's fantastic, but I just feel like I'm moving so slowly. And I realized Mm -hmm. that that this is, I'm playing like three different games at once. So when I'm on the go, I'm playing Celeste on my Switch. And then I'm, yeah, and it's it's really good, but I'm moving so oh. slow because I'm kind of a completionist. So it take, and I realize that's why it takes me forever to, to mm-hmm. pass any game because I want to do as yeah, much as I can in my first playthrough. Yeah. Like, what do you guys do? Do you guys do that, or do you guys just I'm, like breeze totally through the game to get through the, through the like, whole story? I'm, I'm more like a straight line guy. <laughs> I'm a completionist to the it's, extent uh, yeah. of uh, basically all the quests. But there's like games like Breath of the Wild. Um, I beat every single side quest. I did every single thing. But I'm not going to complete it 100% because of the stupid bullshit, which is the Korok Seeds. 900 of, and like that's absurd. Maybe 200, that's a yeah. challenge. But 900, like there's, n- not, there's not even a right. point. And you can't even look for it unless you have the DLC. So, No, I actually like to like mm-hmm. uh, intentionally miss out on uh, a lot of the side stuff they put in because it, it gives me the feeling of a bigger world, if that makes sense. Like... Uh, in let's say near automata ah. like i know that there is a lot more to the world i didn't even see but um i i saw like the 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 intended path uh, everything vital that the designer was uh, intending me to see and but i i have yeah, like the feeling that there is still more because there is so that's actually like enhancing my experience in that mm-hmm. way and most uh, most side quests are like tedious grind anyway so some of them are like. I that. know I contradict myself with uh, like yeah, uh, can, dismissing the grind that. in <laughs> in those games and playing Warframe right now, but hey, you always <laughs> learn something new about yourself, I guess. 
Well, the payout in in a game like Warframe, the payout is a lot faster than yeah, it is in the, a huge RPG. Of, so it makes sense. Playing it is like to grind for new gear. So it's uh, it's just the the constant satisfaction of getting yeah. a new uh, shiny thing and watching your number go up. And I never I never thought I was uh, success, uh, susceptible for uh, that kind of thing, but. Uh, I guess we are all kind of wired the same internally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, I uh, to to your point, like uh, I know the feeling of like feeling le- like you are falling behind, uh, as uh, especially like when you're like working, like we, um, you only have like a few hours each uh, evening to like play something, and. Um, I uh, I think it's 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 really bad once you get the feeling of like uh, it's it's becoming an obligation to like I have to finish those games because there are new ones coming and my Steam library or my uh, PlayStation library is growing and growing and I'm not like um, uh, yeah playing these games. That's not what uh, what games are supposed mm-hmm. to be like. They are not. Uh, they're called games, not chores. Uh, so. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I know it's sometimes it's hard to like uh, shake that feeling. Mm-hmm. But I always found like uh, there are, there are times where I'm like um, I'm like uh, they they are so daunting that I'm not even touching my PC or my my PlayStation. And then there are times where I like totally fall into a hole and like play for days on end, basically just like waking up, playing, going to work, coming home, playing again. So it's it comes in phases for me. Yeah, I think what does it for me though is the the fact mm-hmm. that it's har- it gets yeah. harder and harder to avoid spoilers, you know. And when you when you ha- w- you know when you're in a podcast like this, it's really hard to avoid spoilers. When you know, even with movies, it's like oh, with respect to this person, let's not talk about this particular topic. And it's just that constant sense of like oh, I should play that already so I can talk about it and move on to the next thing. But at the same time, I I also blame games like Dark Souls for really instilling this idea that you have to look through every nook and cranny and spend as much time in this world as possible because there's mm, so much yeah. to learn. Well, you're watching YouTube videos. Well, I think <laughs> no. Dark Souls like I, is made for the sense of you're never going to yeah. discover everything in your first playthrough. That's just a given fact. Even if you tripped every single nook and cranny, yeah. double check everything yeah. 15 times, play through the game, you know, in your first playthrough, you're going to do that and then you're going to, you know, like, oh man, I beat the final boss. Like, well, did you get the 15th final boss and you find out there's like a hundred more bosses after this and like the, the whole game opens up to like a second yeah. campaign like you're like oh i didn't know that and then you watch like uh, epic name bro uh, on youtube and you find out that you didn't catch all the lore at all <laughs> what lore like <laughs> the lore of sword yeah that's crazy like i'm still finding yeah. stuff out about dark souls even years mm-hmm. after it's been you're released same souls thing with bloodborne Switch. Oh man, I I have it pre-ordered for the PS4 just because I have Dark Souls three on that, and I also have um, mm. Dark Souls two, yeah, Scholar um, of the First Sin. So, so I was like, I should just I should just complete the set on the PS4. I really want it for the Switch like just so I can I'm, carry it with I'm me. I'm not really keen on like I played Dark Souls one. I played like three times or something, and uh, replaying it again. I'm not sure about that, but playing it on Switch may be cool. Oh, Dark Souls yeah. One. Dark Souls One is my favorite, man. It, it, and just because, you know, because it's so dense. But I really want to replay it because <laughs> I hated Blight Town. Yeah, it was a pain. I hated it. 
those those frame rate drops just they they do you in i almost yeah. quit and you, you the game don't because even of that. have like the the fast travel option uh, at that point so you're you're really stuck down there it was such a yeah feeling just, like you you uh, had to you, you couldn't like I hated it. escape that you had to go through but that I, was, I thought that was genius yeah yeah but that's the thing like some people will argue that like well that's kind of the charm of the game the fact that it had those limitations and it's like yeah you can say that about any game but i really want to be able to play through blight town without having my character get stuck and yeah. then just yeah, dying on, out of mm-hmm. playing it on pc was the game just better, failing like 60 frames and nice resolution even in blight town so mm-hmm. that was great yeah, yeah i played it on I the ps3 only uh. dark souls 2 i've only ever played dark souls 2 and then i plop i I bought I bought Bloodborne um, in like September, yeah. and I haven't played a lot of it simply because I just it's it's way it's way faster than uh, Dark Souls ever was, mm-hmm. and so yeah, you have to yeah. you have to get into that. Like mm-hmm. I, I bounced off uh, Bloodborne once, and then just recently, like a year ago or something, I I finally got into it, and now it's like I would. I'm I'm debating if it's even higher than Dark Souls One. Like it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. You once you get used just, to the combat, and it, I recommend using the the hunter's axe, and that mm-hmm. that that's did it for I, me. Like, once I used the axe, yeah, I was golden. I'm just I just suck at it. I just suck at games. Interesting. <laughs> well, I mean that's the thing, man. The thing about Bloodborne is that you're gonna you're gonna suck at it at first. You know, and it sometimes it takes a really long time to get good. Sometimes it doesn't, because you know mm. I, I didn't really like the axe at all, actually, Philip. I I, uh, I was a huge fan of the uh, threaded cane, and I actually went through the entire game well, playing with really the threaded cane. The cane. Yeah. So um, yeah, and it's very fast. Like the the game entirely. You're right, Mitchell. It, it's it's very fast in the sense that one, you're not kind of just walking around in circles using a shield to block you know you're not waiting for an opportunity you you essentially have to you know move yeah. and create your opportunities in a way and it uh, it has to the, there's a lot to more room for error that, too because like since we, you don't have a shield you're done have like our favorite weapons and they are so different like the gameplay with them is, is so different that i can like hate the cane and you can love the cane and vice versa and i love how you can just have the, the diversity there but i think what really i think my biggest problem with Bloodborne is that once you start getting confident like oh maybe I think I I think I may have got it and then they just like like nah nah you idiot you didn't do anything you didn't <laughs> yeah, get it at all and then cocky. and then you know Yo, yeah. you're, like, you're like oh look a chest and you yeah. run down the hall like oh wait there might be a bad guy here so you shoot the corners like oh nothing you go get the chest you turn around I got a giant monster jumps off a wall and then you like <laughs> kills you in a second it's like well, how what yeah. how and so, like, there's just moments like that just made me rage quit. Yeah, it's you have to be a very particular yeah, kind I mean, of masochist yeah, the, to play those, those board. Souls games. <laughs> I um, I found myself uh, sometimes when I got home after work, I really wasn't in the mood to play them because they just felt like more work and more like hardship. <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes you just want to play one, Kirby. Yard one, you know. Not, Sometimes not you want just that it, easy. Uh, the yarn one that was on the Wii U. Oh, I actually I never got to play that one, but I always I'm wanted to. I'm not a to. Kirby guy, so. Well, uh, I'm actually not not even a Nintendo guy, really. See, neither. But, uh, 
we're kicking Philip from the podcast now. Wow. I just Sorry, recently folks, got into Nintendo. Nintendo. I've always played the Pokemon Nintendo, games. So. <laughs> we hate him. <laughs> I'm not hating Nintendo. <laughs> This like will I be said, the first I, and I last time we will talk about this. No. Kid, so, uh, <laughs> I know, I know. All my video game um, memories from that time are like uh, pouring over like catalogs and tiny screenshots and magazines and all that. So I was, I was like system agnostic. I just wanted to have anything, mm-hmm. like be it Sega or Nintendo or Sony. Just. Oh. You know what you need to do? You address. need to give me an address or a P.O. box, <laughs> and I will send you my Game Boy Advance. Yeah. I will send you a 3DS, because I have multiple, sure. and you will yeah, play well, them I, I, to your heart's I really, content. Um, I made up for lost time. <laughs> like, I have, like, right now I have like uh, an Xbox 360 is sitting around here, an original Xbox, a PlayStation 4, a Switch, uh, Nintendo DS, a Vita, a PSP. Like, I've got everything now. <laughs> So yeah, it's like oh yeah, uh, you're rolling now. Once I, nice. Once I had my own money and <laughs> I could like buy what I wanted, I, I really made up for that. But dude, I'll send you a Game Boy in the mail. I have like ten of them. I think there's even a, an, an old Game Boy from an ex-girlfriend lying around here. Like, yeah, that is. Yeah. From an ex-girlfriend. Oh, Wait, it has no battery. If it's an ex, then and she didn't take it, then it's yours. Yeah, the, you know they say after. What is it, after two weeks? After two weeks, if they don't pick up their stuff, it's yours? <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. I don't, I don't know. know. I just... You think Albert is listening in and, like, screaming at his uh, pod, uh, at his iPod, like, get to the topic. <laughs> Talk iPod about Death Stranding. <laughs> no, okay. My audience is an iPod. Is it 2006? <laughs> <laughs> no. Maybe what he is using an iPod. In, we don't. We don't know what it, how Albert functions. Maybe he is an iPod I think user. He wants a Zoom. He might, you know, <laughs> copy it onto vinyl and then, you know, hand crank it to listen. Oh yeah. We don't right. know. Is that why this podcast takes so long He's to create? Because he puts guy. it on vinyl. He puts it on vinyl. I get one every other week. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, I don't since, know how he has the money for it. <laughs> since we're on the topic, what what news? Uh, let's let's move on to that yeah. segment. What news have we uh, touched on with Death Stranding? And we have our main topic, but is there anything else that we want to touch on as far as like the want and need for more Death Stranding content? Mm, the one I would like to talk about is yeah. these uh, golden iPhone cases that uh, Hideo posted. Like um, uh, Kojima posted, uh, you didn't like it's it's still on Reddit uh, on one of the like on the front page of the Death Stranding subreddit. No, it's on his Twitter. Posted 20 hours yeah. ago. Uh, he was, the, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's golden golden Shane, versions Shane of, his, uh, of his phone case, like the, the famous Kojima Productions phone case and business cards, and they are golden. Oh, sorry. And um, they are for, for Shanghai Wonder Festival, Shanghai which Wonder is Festival. like a Chinese, uh, Chinese E3, basically. Toy convention. <laughs> and, uh, I, I thought it was a toy convention. Again? Is it not? I, I thought it was a toy convention. Is it not a toy convention? Yeah. Sorry, you're you're kind of breaking up for me. So, uh, can you can you repeat? Oh, I said it, I thought I thought it was a toy oh, yeah. convention. Not yeah, a, maybe it's uh, it's like the the is page is all in Chinese. So I just saw like uh, anime girls and 
I was, yeah. Anyway, it's it's like a, it's like a nerdy convention for for nerds. Gotcha. Stuff. Yeah, I'm looking and at them now. Yeah, what what on earth is it? It's totally curious because he's normally he's not like the guy for techy stuff like these golden uh, things. And I wonder if it's like uh, do like does like the Chinese audience really like uh, gold stuff? like golden phones and all that i could i, I could don't know that. i mean but just a just on a mean? just on a cultural aspect I I, like the popularity of you know not to bash on this but rose gold has been really popular exactly and these aren't like, yeah uh, like apple uh, apple invented this rose gold for like the the techie rich folks mm -hmm. <laughs> and and then every phone manufacturer jumped uh, on the rose gold train but yeah. these are like uh, like like straight up gold yeah maybe he's trying and, to take it back um, <laughs> yeah maybe no here's here's actually my no, my uh, crackpot gold, uh, think theory is it's like uh death uh, death running is actually gun gold or is going gold at that point oh man do so not play with like my emotions <laughs> like that do not play and with that's, my emotions that's the, the big surprise of 2018 <laughs> philip even i'm not that optimistic and i'm saying it's going to come out by the end of the year <laughs> yeah well, uh, Shanghai Wonder Festival just God of War to, just went uh, gold. Just to finish it, it's uh, on April sixth. Uh, so mm. maybe <laughs> we could get our get get ourselves yeah. over there, find out, get get our hands on some of these cases. No. Uh, gold, gold is um as a as an important color in China. Yeah. It's uh, considered mm -hmm. the most beautiful yeah, yeah, just, color. Just to so so I think it's just gold for the significance of a, yeah. a Chinese. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, nerd it's, it's like especially for them. And so I think that's just what it is. That's what I believe too. Yeah, I think it's, it's just a traditional. Yeah, well, I'm also. Hey, I would get the, you know, speaking of business cards. Yeah, he has a. You know, he's posted. Yeah, I was about to mention that too. Yeah, like that's really curious. Card. Why? Why the business card cases specifically? I think they well, are. Like in Japan, a business card is one of the most important. In Japan, things yeah. In Japan is when you meet someone, you yeah. give them. But in China, card. I'm not really sure that's the same. If you if meet that's someone, the case. they give you. But I think it's like the regular um, lineup of, of merch. Like he has phone cases and he has mm. business card cases. It's you just like the two types of cases they they provide. You know, and I want to make an observation. I mean, why is it always iPhone cases, man? I'm 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 rocking an Android and I can't get my hands on these. Just like with the um, oh, for MGS five. Remember, he had the what was it called again? Yeah, it's like it, that was only for the iPhone. Hmm. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Like uh, there, are, there are three different c types of of cases actually. So maybe one of them is is like an Android. Let's see. Yeah, there's three kinds. Well, of, uh, um, he. No, none of them are Android cases because the cameras are on the like, in the center on the back. Hmm. And. Yeah. No, yeah. he doesn't do Android. Oh well. He only does iPhone. That's cases. the one thing I disagree <laughs> with thing Kojima. Is, is the one thing I don't like about you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what am I, I supposed to say? I own a Windows phone, so like nobody's doing anything with that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got an <laughs> LG. We're locking it for uh, aesthetic purposes. I'll pray for you. Maybe I'll but just I, go to the uh, Google on success. Speaking of of like Kojima merch, I actually got uh, one of those um, Godzilla style shirt, like the. Oh yeah. With the um, vertical uh, Godzilla style font that says uh, Koji Pro. Like oh yeah i saw that i want one of those too you know leave it up to a guy yeah, like him to wear a t-shirt like that with a blazer man i could not pull that yeah. off yeah it looks it looks so kick-ass with like an open jacket yeah. like the you can read the font down yeah it looks freaking cool man i wish i could do that but 
How much? How much is that shirt going for? What? Where is this? Is this an oh, insert the shirt coin? was all right. It was like thirty bucks or something, and mm -hmm. like a horrendous amount of uh, shipping to Germany. <laughs> but I nice. had to get it. And I think they are sold out again, or oh, at least they were. Such is life. Yeah. So I'm ha I'm Which happy one? I is got it. The, is the the what like the black T-shirt with yeah. the words going yeah, down? Uh, minus white With uh, black words But uh, Yeah It says uh, Koji Pro And Yeah It's It's yeah. the Godzilla font Too much All the merch is way too Seriously. expensive Yeah Support It should be 15 artists. pounds <laughs> At the max On non-local Okay yeah. yeah but I got my Death Stranding shirt For 20 20 US dollars uh, A large mm, That's not too bad This is 22 pounds that's like mm -hmm. almost 30 dollars in America yeah, but I'm not I don't think 30 Way bucks too is much. too much for a shirt like if it's uh, it's, it's pretty know. good quality it's um, they cost less than a dollar to make well yeah, I mean that depends on the manufacturer the honestly and, and if they are producing them with really cheap materials then yeah like it costs them a dollar to make but there are some um, well less than a dollar but like it's probably cost what three dollars to make and they're doing it exponentially mm -hmm. expensive and plus, I don't think they shoot. They they don't ship to the U.S. So well, that's a bummer. Uh, unless you have to go through an extra shop, which you have to spend another ten dollars. <sighs> so it's like, what's even the point? Yeah. At that, yeah, at that. Well, um, yeah, that was my big news, I guess. Um, anything else <laughs> happening in Death Stranding? A uh, lot of. Um, Hype being shut down immediately by facts. <laughs> um, we got uh, the Diane Kruger who's like, Oh, oh she's confirmed. that stuff, and then uh, Young Gad taking it from the Reddit, not giving the guy credit, and then like someone else being like, No, it's false, you didn't even research it. And then, uh, then we yeah, got let's let's uh, let's back that up it? a bit. Isn't that our big big topic for this podcast? Like, yeah, that's to, yeah, that's like, definitely the big topic. Well, I do have one thing before we dive into the right. Diane Kruger stuff. Um, right, I did want to explore a little bit the if you guys think there's going to be any collector's editions to Death Stranding. Oh, for sure, there are. Like, there will be a, a special Is PlayStation Four. Well, sure. I, I'm thinking, like, do you think there is there going to be a figure? Will there be just another fancy case? You know, like... W no, definitely. There will there will be a Ludens no. figure. Like, Here. the, the Ludens uh, mascot Here. is, like, so so prolific everywhere. And uh, uh, I mean, I'm kind of hoping the... for the baby pod, honestly. Huh. Yeah. yeah. You, you want to hear my theory? I was actually talking uh, with some friends about this. My friends, I mean myself. Come on, man. You got us. You got uh, us. Basically, this is... <laughs> I, I love you guys. Uh, no. So, uh, basically, this is what I think. There's a few options. So, of course, it's going to have uh, multiple editions, but the most expensive editions is going to have a steelbook case, right? the soundtrack, an art book. So far, so... Um, the big old box. Uh, what? And? And... Uh, Hello, and I'm thinking either the A, the baby pod, B, the handcuffs. Oh yeah, that would be nice. Ooh, that would be nice. C, the flower, or D, the baby pod. Wasn't that your first? <laughs> so your first choice. No. No, uh, handcuffs. Right. Necklace, flower, baby pod. Oh, Those I think you four. were cutting out on my I end a little think, bit. Yeah. So you, so you said the necklace, the cuffs, and the baby oh, pod. Oh, sorry. 
And the flower. The, not all of them, but I think if we get the necklace, we're going to get the handcuffs or just the baby pod or just the the flower. But I think it's either going to be the baby pod yeah. or the I'm sorry, Netflix, Mitchell, you're, you're really uh, cutting out right pad. now for me, at least. Yeah, same. Like, it's it's really hard to, to oh, no, catch my you. Can you, like, I don't know, maybe ready. he can, like, try to uh, join in again? Just give him a few. Like if we if well, we don't Skype stop our recordings, like it, would that be possible? Sorry to. No, I think. Mitchell, are you are you still there? That's fine. Let me let me just. Yeah, yeah. I'm just exiting out of some. Oh well, yeah. You sound infinitely better now. So. Yeah, let's hope so. Because I had Skype and inst uh, on uh, Spotify open. So oh yeah, Spotify does drain stuff. quite a bit. Um. Okay. Yeah. No, I think it was Skype being constantly. Mm. Or my crappy internet. No, but we can better already. Yeah, we can we can hear you just fine now. Yeah. But yeah, man, continue. Okay, so you were saying. I was saying. Yeah, so I think we're gonna. So this is a definite for the most expensive edition, which is probably gonna be like three hundred dollars, which I'm gonna pre-order and buy. Um, which is gonna be soundtrack, steelbook case, art book, papers, postcards, stickers, mm. things like that. You know. You think uh, they will be... Uh, and then... It sounds pretty, like, standard to me, that one. And then uh, and then some kind of collector statue or right. item. So a necklace or the handcuffs or the baby pot. Yeah, yeah and a necklace I think the baby maybe is kind of bet. likely. I think that's cheap to make. And yeah, probably like a special them, edition, like the, the second tier special edition. See, I didn't even consider mm -hmm. the necklace or the handcuffs. Yeah, I was already imagining either the baby pod... Or a statue of um, Matt Mickelson with all his gear. I want Del Toro as a statue. <laughs> I want Death Stranding with action figures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that'll happen. Like the, Dude, like imagine Figma. Yeah. Not not the Nindroid, but like the Figma, you know, like the Figma. Yeah. Like two snake where he's like no, I want like uh, G.I. Joe figures yeah. like uh, <laughs> with the uh, with the like with the uh, Jeep, like with tipping over action and uh, and and. Uh, body bags and all that dude they were so yeah. <laughs> you could see veins fair. through the sneaking suit it wasn't even fair uh, <laughs> just nuts sorry, my, dude my handy is going yeah. I have to find that give me a second hey while we're waiting uh, yeah Ed how are you okay I'm back we're waiting for Philip to do something Oh, never mind. He's back. Oh, dang it. I was about to say something new. <laughs> uh, as we go on. <laughs> but, yeah, so. Collector's Edition, yeah, I think um, about $250 for uh, soundtrack, steelbook, art book, postcards, stickers, game with any pre-order, season pass, whatever they're going to add. Ooh, a season else. pass. Hmm. And then... Um, don't think yeah, so. I don't think I don't so. I don't think so. If anything, I hope get, not. Uh, a DLC but, along but good the lines point. of like, uh, Frozen Wild. Death Stranding is uh, supposed to have an online component, and of course it is because it's like some. Uh, there will be some kind of strands and connections thing be happening, but uh, it won't be like a, a separate mode like like Metal Gear Online. You don't think so, right? I hope not. Well, it's gonna be more like FOB, where. As long as you have that set up, like I, hmm. I like want this because he said it's optional. It's not required, but it makes the game better if you. Do really, it. he said it's optional. Kinda like like I always pictured it yeah. more like a Dark Souls thing where option. you like maybe you'll meet other Sams in the world randomly, 
or something. Yeah, but you don't need to play Dark Souls online. You can play the entire game that's true. offline, mm-hmm. but it's better online. Yeah, and that's what that one reminds of the... me. I oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, it actually reminded me just now. Uh, I played Journey finally, and uh, that one has this uh, cool online component that's really, really strandy <laughs> because they uh, they they just they plop you into the world and then they they match you up. Whether you have uh, PlayStation Plus or not, they they match you up with a random guy online. Oh and yeah, you're playing through the whole game together, and you can't really communicate. You can just like send out a kind of ping, mm-hmm. and you you're just making friends with uh, some stranger. And uh, I really I really uh, like uh, made a connection with the guy, and uh, we we just just explored the the, the world. And went th- through a cave, and then uh, some kind of monster came and uh, just got him and uh, took him away. And I was so sad, like I <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm really sucks. missed my buddy. And that was that was really a really nice take on like online interaction, and uh, actually reminded me a lot of what, uh, or at least I picture Kojima is trying to do something like that in in the sense that it's uh, it's a special thing that I haven't experienced before. Yeah, maybe that it actually sounds interesting, and that got me thinking of since I've been playing near Automata, you know, there's that yeah. death mechanic where there's all these bodies on the floor, um, and you can pray for them and either repair nice, them yeah. so they come to life and they help you out, or yeah, you take all the resources. And, yeah, I won't spoil anything, but uh, you have to play like through ending E, like you know all the ending stuff, like the the mechanic how it works, like. Once you finish the game, you start over. Mm-hmm. Right, and you have to yeah, like so don't stop playing the game until you get the ending E, because, man, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, the whole the whole nine S part was kind of I really wish it was kind of intertwined with uh. Yeah, don't a- ending Mitchell, A don't, and don't, B don't because. Uh, Say what? anything further. I'm not sure where 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 Eddie is <laughs> no, in no. the game. What uh, was the last thing you fought? You haven't like reached the the credits, have you? No, I have not. I I've literally okay, only played then. a handful of hours. Um, yeah. Then then let's get off in your Thomas. You like I want you to ex- uh, experience that for yourself. Just right. know that once you hit the credits, just uh, replay the game. Okay. You will be you'll be surprised. Okay, yeah. Without spoiling it, basically. You beat the game and basically don't you spoil have to it. Play about <laughs> well, okay. Like let me let me let me ask let me ask this question spoiling. real quick. Right, it's not spoiling like the story. Let me, let me just ask this question real what? quick, uh, and then we can move on. Uh, at what level do you ca- can you pass the game? I think you don't have to like level anything because it's it's like a platinum action game. You can just um, yeah, just go for it. Just. Uh, just put in some some good mods like the um, uh, here automatic health pickup and something, and then you can just mash your way through yeah. it. It's not like re- I say no no get the get the damage return, where basically if you do a perfect dodge or if an enemy attacks you, yeah. you can hit them back like in Dark Souls and get your health back mm-hmm. as soon as you kill okay. an enemy. I didn't, I didn't I didn't yeah, all and I didn't do all the side quests and I made it through no pro- problem. Mm. It's not yeah. like a hard RPG yeah. that requires you to grind or anything. Gotcha. I've just been spending a lot of time, you know, understanding and essentially exploiting the whole um what are those things called? The those little mods? 
Mm. So like yeah, I, I the, it's yeah the first while. yeah the first thing I did is just unlock all of them so I can have all that space. <laughs> so I did a lot of grinding on that. So now I can just move forward. So thanks guys. Don't, I'll definitely uh, don't take out your uh, operating system chip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I saw that. I got scared. Out, Take it out. No, take it out. It's it's fine. It's it'll fun it'll thing. be yeah. fine. It'll be fine. I trust you guys. Fun things happen. Also eat. Also, you want to eat a mackerel? That will help you a lot. Um, and it if you can catch one and eat it, mm. it actually will help you. It will boost your uh, some abilities yeah. and and stuff. Gotcha. Mid battle. Well, I think it's safe to say let's move on to the whole Diane Kruger thing because I you were about yeah. to get on a roll on that Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. Can you can you like okay. uh, recap the whole thing? I kind of. Um, are we new Reddit rundown, or we're we just gonna go straight into this? Because this is the biggest thing on Reddit right, right, right now. Yeah. On the subreddit. So basically, I'll give a short yeah. synopsis yeah. if that's fine. Yes, please. Take what it away. Happen. Basically, um, here, let me open up and properly credit um, the redditor that discovered this. So basically, what happened was. Is that this Yamato? Yamato? Oh, Yamato DT. Y A M. Yeah, Yamato DT. So back in September, Diane Kruger posted a picture on her Instagram um, saying mocap weirdness on December 29th, 2017. Which has been a while. And he, and he noticed. He noticed. That's when they started up filming again, I believe. Oh, uh, after the strike it's, it's ended. Missing you say? about. Yeah, I, it just right before the strike ended. Right before, believe, no. okay. Like right before the strike mm-hmm. ended, so that's a that's an issue. But the thing is, he she posted it, and what he noticed is that the the glove she was wearing, she posted online, is the same that uh, Norman Reedus was using in the first trailer in the behind the scenes. The exact same glove. Yeah. Huh. yeah, you can see like the the little Everything crosses the on the uh, on the upper uh, side of the Hands, hand, fingers. and the, the dots on on like mm-hmm. uh, index and uh, uh, the other finger. <laughs> like how is it called? Little finger. Anyway, pinky finger. That's it. Huh. So it's uh, it's debatable yeah. whether that's like an industry standard or if it's like it's it's the same, but it may be just like an industry standard capture th- suit yeah but yeah obviously the, yeah, the, so, the reddit went uh, nuts about that yeah so we got almost a hundred uh upvotes on it and so but he this was the problem um young yeah then took the you know the information that this guy found and then made a video on it which i love young yeah but he didn't mention at all that he found this from the subreddit which there's no way that he found it otherwise. And you're because this was on it, and then a day <laughs> later, he released like, "Oh, look at this video what I found." I'm like, "Yeah, dude, that's not really cool." Are you taking issue with work. that he doesn't credit the Reddit or what? <laughs> yeah, credit he doesn't the credit anything. He never sources anything in his video. Any of all of his videos, he doesn't credit anything. Mm. Which is, you know, if he makes a video, I'm like, dude, at least source it in the like. No, I guess you could like you know. point that uh, out. Yeah. I mean, normally he so does. Like he normally he does it on his own. So he didn't. Come he didn't. He doesn't source it in his description at all. Hmm. Can you uh, like you? You both unfortunately breaking up for me right now. Uh, Eddie, can you say something? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I, okay. I wasn't. I wasn't really saying anything up until just like a few seconds ago. I mumbled something. Okay, okay I'm sorry. Yeah, we are. It has to yeah. be said. We well, are trying out. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Discord for the first time, and there may be some hitches still. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. we can finally make oh. a decision on something. No, but uh, the 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 thing about Yong is he usually does in like from the videos I've seen he does credit where he can, but. At the same time, you're right, Mitchell. It's never to the extent of like, hey, this Reddit post is the source of you know this theory or right. or, or whatnot. He never directly yeah. mentioned anyone. Or even just yeah, an and article. It may, uh, like if he's just talking about art, and it bugs me because he wants to be he wants to get Patreon and support, and he wants to be taken as a real mm-hmm. news source. Yeah, I have to agree with Mitchell work. on that one. Yeah. Like he's yeah. he's. Doing that on a professional level, I like ETC and, show. Uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe you could be a bit more journalistic at times, but then again, it's like it's internet rumor news. Like, uh, don't don't make it too political. It's just like, it's 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 not serious anyway. <laughs> it's just video games. Yeah, it's not like he's an actual reporter anyway. I mean, because the thing is, I was a journalist for I don't know four or five years. And even if you're sourcing something small, you have to source it. And the thing about YouTube and YouTubers and then, you know, all these fan theories, they they're not good at doing that. And there's constantly this political battle over sourcing. And, you know, this goes down to it trickles down to Let's Players and, you know, all these jokes were taken from this other let's player or these cosplayers, for example, are stealing these ideas and these video ideas and costume ideas from other people from the publishers and just put online <laughs> yeah and it's it's gray know, zone too yeah and it's kind of nuts to have this conversation just because you know young made this video and people are you know i guess they're so angsty the fact that there's no death stranding content or reveals and he makes this video and i'm not saying it's not a big deal uh, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's just that it, it's a little. I feel a little strange that yeah, he. I agree that he should have credited the subreddit and whoever found that. But yeah. at the same time, we can't take Yong too seriously. Like if he as if he, uh, as if he were an actual news source. He's not IGN. He's not well, no he, Game Informer he, or anything. I know, you know that, but he. But he's he's asking he's asking us to fund oh, yeah. him. That, and that's why I see it's problematic. That's why I see it's problematic that he's asking for money. And it's literally the easiest yeah. thing. But technically, like, if, you, if you really want to wrote a get technical, he's not like the patrons aren't uh, uh, aren't directly uh, paying him for his journalism. Like they are paying for I don't know what it says on the Patreon. Like uh, it's it's basically a donation, is what I'm saying. Like. Um, he could actually do whatever he wanted. Uh, he's not like getting paid to be journalistically yeah, correct that, that's, or anything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> that is, it's, it's hard. Let's get back to Diane Kruger, please. Like it's yeah, uh, before we turn into the subreddit. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. So basically, um, uh, y- Yamato Yamato DT posted on the subreddit that right. he found pictures from Diane Kruger's. Uh, Instagram from late September uh, of her motion capture, and so everyone was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> what? she's in Death Stranding," 
and Kojima just posted a picture of him and her. They're trying to connect the dots, and you know, and it got really big. And then uh, Yang made the video about it, not crediting him. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, IGN then made a video about it, crediting Yang Ya as the source, which is a oh, bad thing. Oh, so that's thing. what you caught up about, yeah. Uh, which is they they mm. credited him as the source of this news when he didn't discover it at all, which is a very... Um, Even though it was Reddit guy, whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, but... Yeah, because uh, Yang Ya is uh, considering himself in news journalism and reporting, and this is a big issue right now because he did not credit his sources, and yeah. now people are claiming that he found it when he didn't, when it was someone right. else that did the work. Yeah, so I, I understand where you're coming from. It's like, uh, and then there should be like someone, a minimum of journalistic integrity yeah. online, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. I agree with you totally. But then again, it's like uh, it's still the internet and it's video game news, so it's young game. It's not like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not like it should be uh, like yeah. a big scandal or mm -hmm. something. Well, it's not I'm, a big scandal. It's just it's just something like you know, yeah. dude. It's good it's that not you a big pointed deal, out, but. You got to do it and just try to keep up with that and credit all your sources. And if you're not making it yourself, if you don't credit your sources, you claim that you make it yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's just how, if you went to high school and you had a source paper, that's how it is. You know? Yep. Even if you take it from Wikipedia. But I digress. So then Bob Shoes, which is uh, Robert Zemeckis Instagram, where he posts pictures of shoes on sets that he's working on. <laughs> what? Really? a picture. Yeah. He's posting. And he's then, just posting shoes. Yeah, it's just like a hint, you know. I didn't like know Kojima that. does when he just posts like a picture of his lunch and there's like a screenshot of a game in the background. You're like, oh, what is it? It's blurry. Right. And he has hashtag yet Diane Kruger hashtag director hashtag Stephen Krell and Zemeckis. Yeah. So on the same day, so it means that she wasn't working with mm. Death Stranding. She's working with Robert Zemeckis on yeah, a it's, film. Yeah, it's some 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 motion capture thing, I think. Zemeckis did yeah. this Polar Express thing, if I remember correctly. So I thought it was Spielberg. Oh, that was Spielberg. Oh yeah, then um, wait. he did some wait, some was other that, was weird. That or Robert Zemeckis. What yeah. what is he, what is he directed? He, he directed Back to the Future, Dumb, but <laughs> Back to the Future, Castaway, Flight, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Really, um, he did Roger Rabbit. Cool. The Walk, Allied, Polar Express. Oh, he did do Polar Express. Oh, yeah, Polar Express. Right. A Christmas Carol from 2009, Back to the Future 2, Beowulf, mm -hmm. Back to the Future 3. Yeah, uh, Contact, that's really good. What? Damn. He did Contact, apparently. Huh. I don't know if that's... Yeah, he directed huh. Contact with uh, yeah. Jodie Foster. I love that movie. Yeah. Um. Any yeah. any fan who's listening who hasn't seen Contact, go watch it. It's I recommend it, yeah. There's that one shot where she's like running through the hallway. Oh you know? man, yeah, with a mirror. Oh um, man, and then the mirror. Was, oh my I god. Still don't know how they made that. Dude, every time I see it, I just like. I'm not yeah. gonna say what happens in my brain, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I feel some thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so but, uh, the 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 long story short is that um, probably Diane Kruger, who is um, who's together with Norman Reedus, actually, so that that also compounded uh, the rumor. Um, she she basically uh, nothing's proven. She probably made this other movie and um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think right now, yeah, yeah she's she so. is the wait. She's dating Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. Yeah, and they so were. You can see how together. the Reddit just went huh. crazy. 
Well, I just, it's just that I think we're in a dry season right now. I understand now. Everyone's reaching for just something. They just want something they can look at, you know. Yeah. Oh. And there yeah. was, right now, there was like, it's of that course, angst, there was man. immediately there was a theory because you don't play as Norman Reedus, you are Norman Reedus. That means that they will be like, that she will be your actually girlfriend in the game. Like the, the, the female protagonist will be together with Sam played by his actual girlfriend because reasons I don't know what they are hoping to get out of that mm. and but yeah <laughs> it's uh, personally I don't uh, well it, she could still be in death training so don't get me wrong like it's it's not like proven otherwise but it's it's mm. not a definite proof either so yeah, we are right still, now, the, the jury is still out on who who the fuck is playing the the female lead Yeah, well, probably. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Stephanie Jusen, uh, Emma Stone. No, 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 no. What's her name? The girl, uh, Emily O'Brien. Did you guys forget about her already? Uh, yes. <laughs> she's the girl that, that uh, she she like posted an Instagram. She's like working on Death Stranding with. Oh, you mean the, she uh, she with was just the, the the voice and actor Troy Baker? Yeah. Well, she's a voice I, actress. Yeah, and yeah, I think you know, she has like a, a, a small role, okay. just like okay. like a support character or something. Tell me what role you knew Stephanie Houston from before sure. Metal Gear. But um, I think um, for for, so, for Metal Gear Solid Five, he was um, like he spent all his budget on Kiefer Sutherland. Like Kiefer Sutherland is the only real actor actor in the mm -hmm. game, and now with uh, Death Stranding, he's like. He's loading the thing up with uh, with uh, stars. Like every role we've seen so far is like, or basically every role is is like a major a major actor. And I think that's kind of his his shtick right now. So the the if there are any other main characters like a female protagonist or something, it will be someone from Hollywood or at least TV famous. Well, I I think it's both. I think you know. I think he's doing right now a mix between the classic uh, actresses and actors mm. and then, you know, voice actresses and voice actors. Yeah. So yeah, we have Troy Baker, who is a very prolific voice actor, but he's not a, a screen actor. Exactly. And so yeah. I think he will it, fill out yeah. like supporting roles like the, the two, like gun guy and... Um, old guy from trailer three he will Who knows, like they, fill they out not. with uh, minor actors yeah i think they might not even be crucial characters they might just be characters that just die off you know you just see and get the name of and then they just die like five minutes later and they're just there to have a uh, dialogue for so um yeah i don't know yeah so right now Jeez. i think the female um i don't Houston's not part of the project But to go to go back on it, like uh, um, when I think about it, um, where where does the female lead thing come from anyway? Like, I know there was like grumbling that it's like a sausage fest and that there are no female roles for uh, for now in any trailer. And uh, did just like the internet make it up that there will be a female? lead or protagonist no there was or? the there was a po he posted an <coughs> image of a female character yeah oh yeah right uh, the, that yoji shinkawa had designed and then then he posted female well yeah there's the crest one and then there's the one before and also he um, said that there's gonna be a female character a lead 
character. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's oh. it's actually it's an actual quote. So good. Nice to reiterate that. Yeah. What yeah. do you think, guys? Like, yeah, but it's will not. it be Diane Kruger? I honestly have no idea, um, and I really. I can beat myself, uh, my head over it over and over again, and I really can't come to any conclusion. Mm. Um, because for a really long time, before we had it, any of the information we have now, only with one trailer out, uh, I had really strong hopes. And watching some of Young's videos and other people on YouTube talking about how uh, the actresses that have inspired and ha who, you know, the fa Kojima's favorite actresses and who he finally gets to mm. meet and work with or whatever... He's like, well, is it Emma Stone? Is it this person or is it that person? For a really long time, I was really hoping that it was going to be Scarlett Johansson. Right, that was in the discussion. But then after, yeah, and then after I saw the the trailer and the reviews for Ghost in the Shell, I was like, okay, I don't want that to happen anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, that, but that's the thing, you know, it's like I'm sitting here just waiting for something and I don't want to commit to any ideas. Not because I don't want to be disappointed or anything, but it's just because we really don't mm, know. Maybe there was actually uh, like... Uh, there were like complications with like contract negotiations. Maybe some kind of deal fell through. Like, Trade he, negotiations. He, maybe the the way he like posted and posted and posted about Emma Stone. It was like I was convinced that she was like in the project. It was like there was mm -hmm. no way she wasn't, or at least he was like totally uh, trying his hardest and damnedest to to get her in there. And then one day it just stopped. Maybe he just lost interest because you can only watch Blah Blah Land for so many times. But maybe uh, they maybe. actually were contract negotiations and they fell through. Like it happens all the time in movies. Like someone is yeah. attached to this picture and then, oh no, he's not. So since he is using like Hollywood actors right now, it, it could happen to him as well. Like he's not God in Hollywood. So. It yeah. could very well be. Well, I wonder how that happens, you know, taking all of these people. I mean, because when he has conversations with some of these actors, you know, it, it obviously always starts with the agent, mm. right? But then once Kojima said, he, he tends to have this effect on some of these people where he ends up just hanging out oh, with yeah. them instead of going through the agent. Because he did that with Kiefer Sutherland. He's done it with Norman Reedus. He's done it with Guillermo del Toro, yeah, obviously. And, and he's just... Yeah, man. Yeah, and Mads, he just sits down with these people and he's just like, you know, we're, we're not going to deal with your mm -hmm. agent here. So he's definitely and then he forces playing them to his go cards on differently. And uh, write a post about what a genius he is. <laughs> I just sat with <laughs> Kojima and he told me about his vision and it's just so crazy. Well, no, no I, I think it's, it's something in the water that he's giving them, man. It's something in the water <laughs> he's giving, giving them. Frog's gay. <laughs> you know, the whole But uh, that's the thing. Like, uh, precisely why I brought this up was because all of these actors and Guillermo del Toro, they, they, they talk about Kojima and they, they, he's confirmed that, right, slowly. Mm. I honestly don't think that he, even if there is a female lead, I don't think he's going to give them the same, um, I guess, exposure as he's doing with like Norman Reedus, mm -hmm. for example. Because if we think about back to MGS5 and how it all went down with Kiefer Sutherland and Stephanie Houston, think about how much we actually saw of Stephanie Houston. We didn't see much up until the game's right. release like we did have her like behind the scenes you know the makings of metal gear solid 5 which wasn't really a making of the game it was just her sitting down talking to a few people about some generic mm -hmm. questions but I was like, working with um i think he's gonna pull something off like that again or even more close to the chest where it's just gonna happen when the game is out well i feel like with the newest trailer which is 
will probably come out E3 or maybe before then. We're going to get like, oh, here she is. Here's the female lead. It's whoever, Hollywood actress, voice actor, who knows. Yeah. And then like, we go, whoa. Wait, I just thought of something. Okay. Uh-huh. So you know how we, we're, Guillermo del Toro is part of the project, but he's not acting in it. Right. Just his likeness. Mm-hmm. So what you, if we're getting the same thing with Emily O'Brien? Uh, we're getting a likeness the, of a celebrity, of a, like Emma Stone scans in and then her likeness into it, and then mm-hmm. Emily O'Brien plays her character. Oh, that would be freaky. Like, uh, I can't think of anyone else voicing Guillermo del Toro because I always have his, yeah. his, his Mexican action and his, and yeah, his little smile. Now that I think about it, has that ever happened in movies? Like... Uh, a known actor or at least a known figure uh, like giving his likeness and someone else playing them like it's of course there's like um, yeah, uh, Gollum and Andy Serkis and, but he's always playing characters not actual people like is, is the tomorrow actually the first time that, that someone someone else is playing well, a known me, person I don't think, I, I don't think I've, there's, that's ever really happened but you know since we're on the topic of Del Toro maybe this is a bit of a reach here, but in the trailer, he kind of motions like he's tasting something. Maybe his character is mute. Sure. Tasting something? What do you mean? Yeah, he's licking his lips. Well, you know, time. yeah, he's like licking his lips when the... Also, I may add that he is acting really poorly, I think. <laughs> like in the in the beginning when he is like walking and has this, oh, I'm scared look on his face. And then he's he's turning around looking up into the sky. And then he's seeing mm-hmm. something scary, and he's reacting like uh, it's 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 actually a credit to the to the performance capture. Like it's so subtle uh, and gets all these details that I could uh, actually I could see that the the acting wasn't the greatest. <laughs> I think. What it's, if mm-hmm. what if uh, basically for that trailer it wasn't supposed to be uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro? It was supposed to be you know maybe Sam's character. Right, that's what I also and then, uh, thought about. Like right, maybe he's a stand and, and then he's just like, listen, we, can we just scan you in and just have you in this trailer? Yeah. Like, oh, sure, sure, I love you. you know, and then like, <laughs> yeah, I'll do anything then, like, for you. Like, yeah. And did it, you know, and I feel like, it's just like the expressions are way too, like, uh, you know, like with all the other characters, their facial movements are very, very... Uh, very unique and very, uh, very uh, yeah. subtle. Yeah, yeah. Like it feels very human. Well, that was like, like, mm. so you think that maybe animated. someone else like did the motion capture too? Well, basically, I'm thinking that they they're still getting it ready because it's extremely easy to mocap someone's face if that's what their face looks like, right? You know? Even hmm. with uh, Ocelot, his face was based, it was redesigned to be based on uh, his, uh, the structure of the face of, uh, of the actor. What's his name? Mm-hmm. Of uh, Troy Baker. And same yeah. thing with Snake and Houston. Is that they, they, they structured, they restructured the face, you know? So you think that uh, another actor, let's say, I don't know, I'm thinking it's, it was uh, either it was Del Toro himself who acted oh, or. Yeah, or let's say Troy Baker acted in the trailer, and so they they scanned his face, and it it didn't really fit on uh, on Del Toro's face mesh, and that's why he looks funky. 
That could be. Yeah, I, I think that, that I think that's the biggest. I think that might be the issue. If, if Troy Baker is hypothetically playing, he's not. He might not. But just hypothetically in this yeah. situation, if he is, his oh, face man, structure so is very, is very different than uh, than the face of Guillermo del Toro. Just mm. the nose structure, the eye structure, the cheek structure, the chin, the mouth, yeah. and you know, and then Guillermo has all that has is a. Uh, has a weight on him, and so his face is wider uh, than you know, right. who, uh, than Trey, and his very slim face. But the the, the more fascinating nose. thing is that uh, your your point that maybe uh, Del Toro himself, like the model itself, was just a stand-in for the trailer because it's actually a different character in the game. Maybe someone no, he didn't he uh, do that. Re- want to reveal or something. I think that he wanted he might he if he was a stand-in. He would have to rework the story to get him in it now, or redo a character. And I feel like either he planned this out from the beginning, or he's just winging it, which I don't think that sounds like Kojima. Yeah. And I feel like maybe if he was really in a rut, you know, for the trailer, but it doesn't sound like because the strike happened right after the second trailer came out, not before. Hmm. Yeah. So he was able to do it with the character. So I'm thinking it was just maybe... They're not used to doing the face mesh on, you know, doing motion capture onto a different face mesh than the character's face. You know, maybe Trey Baker was trying to do it, but you know, to. Yeah, maybe I actually, to I actually believe right. that in for the trailer at least, uh, Del Toro uh, did the capturing. Like he he went in one day to get scanned in, and then they let him like walk the five meters it took and uh, do the motions, and that's why it looks funky because he's just not an actor. <laughs> Uh, that could be it. I think uh, it may have been him because he's not an actor. And like, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. He's a cr- amazing, he's a phenomenal director. He's just... Yeah, yeah and he's... Uh, not, I don't know. Maybe he acted before. I'm I'm actually not sure, I so I may be wrong. I don't know. Or it could be, you know, just a mannerism of the character that he's supposed yeah, to be. Maybe he's supposed to be kind of like a cartoony with over-expressive... Oh, yeah. like, I, I hope he's really? like the comic relief or yeah. something. Yeah, that might be what it is. He might be our ocelot, Drebin. You no, know, he will be like the ocelot. <laughs> you will call him. Oh on man, the I really hope it's not like a. Oh yeah, the I really hope Kojima doesn't make him like into a Paul Block mall cop situation. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely not that. Definitely not that. Fart noise kind of deal. You know. Oh, yeah, oh, God. I don't. I I think that's like. I don't think that'll happen. I mean, I, get I hope the poop not. Jokes fine. Everyone, you know, farts. Oh, <laughs> you know. Oh huh. look. Yeah. Look, it's it's uh, Snake's butt, and he's. Yeah. Uh, but at Ooh. least he he respects uh, Del Toro quite a bit, and so I think uh, he wouldn't dare. <laughs> it would be actually it would be really cool to finally see uh, uh, like a competent, uh, non um, stereotypical fat guy in a game like. Uh, like the, it's it's a it's a weird point to make, but it's like video games are always perfect bodies because it's just the matter of how they are made. Like it's always muscly yeah. guys and beautiful women, and it's it's really rare to see. I mean, he did give us fat man in the, in the games. Yeah. Old snake. He did give us fat man on skates in MGS oh, two. <laughs> a very realistic Absolutely. representation. <laughs> of the yeah. <laughs> it looks like a. <laughs> Looks like me at a skating rink, you know, just like yeah. running past everyone. But that's just uh, blazing through with bombs. Small children. 
that's actually uh, something that that makes uh, Death Stranding really interesting to me is because he's using the actual likeness of so many actors. It uh, it gets a really realistic look, like the the characters are, uh, look like real people and not like uh, idealized perfect specimens of uh, video game perfection. Oh, so we yeah. we bring up the the infogamer.net article that someone was posting what's it about about the death stranding announcement possible oh yeah let's talk about that (laughs) so um yeah basically run down this guy um named aaron grady made an article on infogamer.net not uh, game informer it's infogamer (laughs) what did i say what did i say (laughs) it's a game informer no no no, he was just making fun of it. He was just making fun of it. Just saying, it's, it's a tiny page with no yeah. reach, possibly. Yeah. Not to Indie make gaming. fun of them. Yeah, and so basically, he wrote this article, basically saying, "Oh, dude," and half of it's just trash, and you don't even need to read it. It's just like him talking about The Walking Dead and his viewership. But basically, he throws in Death Stranding might air a trailer uh, during the season finale. You know, which is a good idea. The, actually, just the guy. So I'm like, I, I made a tweet about it, uh, but you know, it, it's it's a strange situation because like, yeah, I can see him doing it, but at the same time, um, this is the first article this guy has ever written. He does not sort, like, does not <laughs> have anything, you know, about it. You know, he he hasn't, you know. Yeah, it's it's just a, so a like fan theory or a wishful so thinking. It, it's like a real written Reddit, Reddit Reddit post, basically, right? Which is fine, but you know. At first, I thought it was info, uh, info. Uh, sorry, uh, game informer. But I know it's exactly. info gamer. So, mm. I, uh, where's my tweet? Man, you really I have said, uh, like. What a, if this is another? I don't think they would, but at the same time, they might. Hideo Kojima could. Pull what if up. this is another freaking Joaquin Mogren <laughs> situation? Joaquin yeah. Mogren, who's that? <laughs> the the fake alias that uh, Kojima used for the Phantom Pain. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the Moby Dick Studio and exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what? If, what if it's <laughs> that? Like, what? Because you know, anything is possible at this point. What, what if he's pulling like that he's, again? He's checking um, Twitter and he said, "There's not enough rumors." <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Well, I up. think that. Yeah, I said he said Kojima. You know, as he told uh, uh, Jordan Fott Roberts, um, "Betray your audience," and you know, uh, I think the least thing people would be expecting is. Death Stranding just appear in the middle of, you know, a weird trailer where a man is pregnant with a baby is being like cut open, and a baby's mm. pulled out of its thing. I mean, that would freak out viewers, but everyone would be like, "What? What the hell is this? You know, yeah. how can I get a hold of it? Is this a new? Is this the next episode of Walking Dude, Dead? Yeah. <laughs> imagine like some old lady is just like what, like loves The Walking Dead, but like super confused because she thinks it's an episode. <laughs> what, what's <laughs> happening? Why? Why is uh? Why? Why is uh? Daryl? Whoa! Yeah, but to entertain the thought, it's, <laughs> I think it's actually a pretty spiffy idea. Like it's, uh, you would get a, a different audience uh, than you would get uh, at E three or something, and it's like yeah, but it's millions of people, and they are uh, they are Norman Reedus fans, and they will see like a trailer starring Norman Reedus. So uh, well, actually, the sure the I'll third trailer it's uh, it it attracted like media attention outside of video games because of Mats Mikkelsen mm-hmm. and Norman Reedus, like. Uh, pages like I don't know Hollywood Reporter wrote about it like actor Mats Bickelson going to do a crazy video game isn't that crazy 
So um, I could see it, but uh, the the article is completely without basis. It's just wishful thinking. So mm. yeah, the guy doesn't have any. He cites two things. He cited more stuff in his uh, in his fan, you know, thing than uh, Yang Ya has done for his video. So <laughs> you're really hung yeah. up this uh, this week on like journalism <laughs> and uh, journalistic intent and all that. Well, there there should be integrity. If they want to yeah, be taken integrity. seriously, like any other industry, then they gotta stay up to the same standards. Yeah, and you're right. I yeah, agree. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I couldn't if agree more. If you want more. to be taken as serious as film, then you need to be start you know citing your sources and explaining where you got it from. You know, and if it's you know if it's a rumor or a theory, you gotta let it know mm-hmm. because you know it's just you want to be respected. You want to be respected like books. You want to be respected like art. Movies, you know, yeah. you gotta be like them. Mm-hmm. You gotta be uh, true journalism. You can't, you know, pull a uh, what was it, a uh, uh, insane trilogy, not finish half the game, and then write a review giving it six stars, like IGN did or whatever, or GameSpot. Wait, what? Yeah, one of the I think about that Taurus insane. No, no. Uh, basically, I was just going on a little tangent about game journalism and how right. it's really shitty. Um, like uh, I think it was an IGN or GameSpot article where they gave uh, the Ratchet, not the Ratchet, like the Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy. Ah, that one. Okay. A six stars mm-hmm. out of ten because it was too hard and he what? quit halfway through. He didn't even finished the game. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's see, like that. that's lazy writing. I mean. If you can sit there and finish Dark Souls, you can sit there and finish Insane Trilogy. No, like, was, come on. It was too hard and abrupt difficulty spikes. I'm like, yeah, there's that, that shitty moment on the original one where you have to like, get the turtle thing or whatever. But, like, what do you expect? Like, do you expect a game to, like, give you everything? And, like... Uh, I think people do nowadays. And, you know, that's just an, that's another thing. That, that says two things about the, the gaming industry and gaming journalism. Um, that they coincide on this idea that they feed you constant, like they they hold your hand, you know. And not to bash on the on the Batman games, on the Arkham games, but like I love those games, but they freaking hold your hand. Ah, uh, yeah, it's, it's like the, they hold your freaking hand, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating to be like, yeah, I know what to do. Like I'm not lost. Way, it's just, he used. Well, yeah, yeah. It's 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 like, why? And then, they, and then they're like, oh, you don't like people. Showing you hints, well, we're not going to give you any hints. And then, like, wait, that's not what we meant. We meant, don't hold our hand the entire time. <laughs> like, no, you don't. Like, and then a developer. Trust the intelligence of the yeah. consumer. Like, trust the intelligence of whoever's playing the game. And, like, drop hints, but don't tell them. Don't say, you know, give a hint. Like, if a game designer is working, as I've studied game design and stuff, is don't tell them it's over here. Like, here's the icon, flashing icon. It's in this building, say. Oh, it's in this building. It has this thing on the front, you know, like oh, th- you know, it's on the north part in this section. But you know, that's all the information you get, and like it's red. Yeah. And there might be other red buildings. Then you get clues, and then you find the building. And most games now would be like, blinking icon. Here you go. Here's the house. Mm. And you know, you you gotta. And then the item is shiny, so you know exactly where to walk to. And then that you know, button prompt comes up. You know, and mm-hmm. it's just like that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like. I, totally got used to that and uh, it was only uh, i don't know it may have been like something like dark souls or something that's really sparse with uh, hot elements and waypoints mm-hmm. and direction that it's uh, it really hit me how how conditioned you are to like just follow waypoints and 
press button prompts. Yeah. yeah and so, and some people not only take it for granted, but they expect it and they, they get upset when they yeah. don't get it. Because this is why I think Breath of the Wild is such a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was say, because yeah. it does not hold your hand at mm. all. It does, That's it does. True. You're literally it does in, hold your hand a bit you, you, for uh, the main quest. You know, it just yeah, for the main then, quest. But I'm talking yeah. like when it comes to the cooking stuff, to remembering where to do certain quests and like figuring out how certain quests play out, like a lot of the side quests, mm-hmm. you're on your own. There's a lot of little details that there. there's absolutely no clues... And you just kind of have to figure yeah, it out. I they didn't have the, um, Sorry. No, I was just saying that like, there's... When I first got it, like, the first thing I did was I turned off the UI. Not, not, yeah, I did too. And I just... I said, screw the main quest. I'm doing the shrines. And I just went off. I was in the lurking towers, fighting, whatever. And it was the most fun I've had in a game in a long time because... Simply because I said, I want to do my own thing. I don't want to... I don't care. Mm-hmm. I, I'll do the... the yeah, the shrines. Uh, Guardians League. I was just I, said, you know, screw doing the dungeons. I'm just gonna go do all the shrines, and then I did all the shrines, and then I did all the things and all the quests, and then I said, I'm gonna go fight Ganon now, and then I whooped his ass. You know, dude, same. I literally did the same thing. I I yeah. did not progress in the story until I found all the shrines. Yeah, all 120. Did you get the tunic? Did you get the special tunic? <laughs> I did. Um, yeah, dude, I went freaking nuts playing this this game. I have easily over 180 hours yeah. logged. Dude, I have 190. Yeah, it's no wonder you're falling behind in games like Yeah, like and that's and it's a problem. It's just when I when I get a game, I want to enjoy the hell out of it, you know? Well, yeah. And it's really easy for me to get sucked yeah. into one, but maybe that's my problem that I'm playing three games at once and I'm losing my sight of what I should be doing, I guess. But I don't know. Back to the the topic at hand, though. Games journalism. Um, The the hand-holding, it's getting kind of obnoxious. Um, And I like the the fact that Breath of the Wild gives you that option to turn off the UI. Mm -hmm. You know, and Horizon Zero Dawn does it, too. I think think recently games have... I think recently games have like noticed that and are actually giving the options like to turn off the UI and mm-hmm. uh, to make it. I more wonder what Death Stranding's UI is going to look like, because, um, because if you think about it, with yeah, me too. Every game it's changed, right? You have the health bar in MGS One, yeah, and in M- it's like the uh, the the this hazard palm thing. It it made people believe that there's no UI at all. That ev- every Im- uh, information is like uh, communicated through your character, like the the, um, mm-hmm. the handcuffs are your health meter and the hazard. But that's palm the interesting like your, thing your that we have a health meter basically. again. We didn't in MGS five. Right. Uh, what's interesting? No. We didn't. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. It was re- re- regenerating, right? Yeah. yeah, well, he's not he's not Yeah, so it's like, just like, yeah, well, what made his decision so. to go back to including a health bar of some kind, right? Well, it's game design. Yeah. Yeah, well, when the theme is like death and dying, it's uh, well, kind of it, needed, maybe. It, it has to do with, uh, uh, you know, not every game is made the same. You know, if I approached Zelda the same way I approached Mario, it would make sense. And same way with this. This is a if he's making a new game, why would he do the same thing as he did in a previous game? He wants to forge a new path independent of his old things. You know. It's like yeah, that. yeah, and I get that. I'm just saying that he because he makes his decisions very particularly. We always find out why. 
right? There's always a reason yeah. why. And I'm really, I really want to see yeah. what the why is for this particular case. Because with Death Stranding, with mm-hmm. everything that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Philip has said, it's definitely going to play into the mechanic. So maybe there's something that we're missing here as far as what that health bar is going to mean besides just you have a lot and have little and then you're dead. Mm-hmm. You know, like what is this, what is the health bar going to mean? Yeah. If Death Stranding is an actively new mechanic. Yeah, if Death is new. And going back on the UI thing, it's uh, the one one thought I have is that it will be really, it will be a third-person action game and it will be really hard to uh, see your wrist because he will be holding it in front of his body and the camera will be behind his body. And you won't uh, actually be able to really get a good look at the cuff, at least not your own. And uh, the same thing with the hazard palm. It's it's like uh, it has lights in the front, which are shining uh, onto the ground, but from the back it's uh, it's not lit. So um, you won't be able to see like the the flashing and all that because um, yeah, you can only see it from the front. And I'm not sure how it it could be like some kind of UI thing, but I think it's hard to actually get it in the game like that. So I'm re- I'm really curious about uh, how it's how it will factor in like hard wise. Uh, but I could really uh, see that he won't won't do a heads up display this time Impressive. around because he wants to have it be so cinematic yeah. with so actors I, and there's all. There's like that. A, a thing where there's a there's a game where uh, I forgot the name of it. It's an indie game where basically to uh, turn. So you in the game you shoot uh, these other planes. But to turn or to move, you have to stop shooting. You have to, uh, you know, stop shooting completely okay. to turn or to move. So you can't just shoot while moving like a twin stick shooter. It's a one stick shooter. It's basically you shoot and you can't okay. move when you're shooting. So you have to stop moving <laughs> to make turns or drifts or whatever. And this might be the same case of do you want to shoot the enemy or do you want to mm-hmm. know where he is? You know, maybe the maybe the, the flappy... the. Oh, no, like, has, uh, has like, like Resident Evil. Um, it's flapping, you know, telling you where they are. But if you want to shoot them, you can't look at them. So, uh, you know, maybe it's, you know, scanning and then, you know, oh, no, uh, I think I know where they are. And then you can shoot them or distract them or whatever. So I can see how that can be either used as a yeah. a tool. Yeah, that will be, or of a course, there will be a all... rope or a stick. You can either use it as a, as helping you shoot or you can use it as a as a tool to help you know where it is. Hmm. And also, I yeah. think if you're aiming a weapon, that could be it. Like, and obviously there will be like a, a hold your breath mechanic. Like, maybe you won't even have a gun. Maybe uh, the term action game uh, you know, is, is about the driving be, or something. It's gonna be like, all we know is. It will be similar to the division or Uncharted, which are third-person cover-based shooters. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I personally I hope so because it's uh, there's only a certain threshold of uh, artsiness I can stomach uh, for so long. <laughs> like the uh, journey, journey was a great game, but uh, I was uh, it was two hours long, and that was the perfect time for mm-hmm. not having any mechanics and if you are doing like a i don't know 20 hour game or 10 hour game it it needs some some kind of fun mechanic i feel like this is going to be like a, a sequel to Metal Gear solid 5 
in a sense, you know. You know, Metal Gear Solid Five was, and uh, the mm. the reason why yeah. is because he didn't want to make that. He didn't want to make Metal Gear Solid Five, you know. Even though he made it and he made it amazingly, you know, not you know perfect, you know, because you know it wasn't a perfect game in any sense of anywhere, but you know, uh, he he crafted it as hard as he could, but he didn't want to make it the game. He honestly did not want to make it because uh, uh, so. Basically, he wanted to stop making them after two. He wanted to stop making Metal Gear games, and literally, people started threatening yeah, him. Like, story. if you don't finish four, if you don't make four, we're gonna, you know, we don't. Well, they started sending him death threats, and you know, that's no way to treat someone who is, you know, he did a phenomenal job in both five and four, and Peace Walker, but you know, he's got a, you know. He wanted to make something new, and that's why I think with Metal Gear Solid Five, there's such a, a shift in directorial style. It was no longer sending an hour into a, a yeah. codex screen, talking between Mei Ling and Snake. Now, it was a long shot of characters looking, and uh, it's more about the cinematography hmm. and the facial storytelling rather than instead of using words, it's using visuals and facial cues. And they didn't need to be long speeches to create a dynamic but that's uh, that's actually uh, an interesting point because i uh, i think it's it changed a lot gameplay wise because he he was sick of like uh, um, the the old style and now he went open world yeah. just to be challenged again and do something new his di directorial style changed dramatically too but i don't quite know why that is it's like it's mm -hmm. all these one shots now I think it has to do uh, a lot with performance capture and virtual cameras. Like he is running around the actors, and he's just not cutting. I don't know why he's not cutting, but he's, he just uh, well, kind of has uh, this thing now for for like one shots. And the same thing in Death Stranding, because um, if you if you see trailer three, it's just one long shot. It's well, like eight minutes of of one shot, and that's well, uh, that's really curious. Have, have you ever worked in hmm? uh, Hollywood at all? Like any kind of video editing or anything like that? No. <laughs> Have you ever seen a movie with a long shot? Uh, no. The long shots what? in movie is the hardest thing you can do. They're one of the hardest things because you have to get everything right. Yeah. It's not like you you can do. And anyone can do it's, a long shot, pretty, but only certain people can make it. It's easier in... in you know, think of, of Mice and Men. Think of Birdman. You know, and I think he wanted to do something new. He wanted to do something yeah. more along the lines of He doesn't want to cut us away to take us out of the game. He wants to keep us intrigued, seeing exactly what they're seeing, you know. Not cutting, not swinging the camera back and forth, mm. you know, like, uh, it's a... Sure, sure, it's it's a choice. And, and I, I honestly that. like the and tutorial cool. style he's going for. It's, um, characters of, uh, it's one long, one long yeah, shot. I yeah, love I, that. Cinematography is one of my favorite things. I guess my point is that uh, that uh, I see uh, uh, big similarities in uh, Death Stranding's cutscenes uh, mm -hmm. and Metal Gear Solid 5's cutscenes, which makes me believe that mm -hmm. uh, gameplay may be similar as well, like at least the structure of the open yeah, world yeah, and mission-based like stuff and all that. Uh, I'm taking this from nowhere, but uh, yeah, I guess that's just. Uh, uh, I think he's been wanting to day. do that for some time, though, because I, <laughs> um, you know, the. Even in MGS4, there's those shots that take you from gameplay to cutscene that are pretty fluid. 
and they were you know es- essentially like early tests yeah. of doing the whole one shot thing in the game and it's becoming very popular because we're seeing that you in know, like the new god, god of war, war. Mm. and it's it's also very easy or at least easier in motion capture mm-hmm. and in performance capture because you can like redo and touch up things uh, afterwards like uh, splice in different performances seamlessly and uh, adjusting the camera path and all that yeah. like one shots in video games are actually easier to do i guess of course they're hard but uh, mm-hmm. you you have a redo <laughs> yeah so. cuz like the last of us it's it has it's like a hybrid they do a lot mm. of um one shots but they do also have a lot of cuts in within it in the last of us 2 trailer that was a little different it was all one shot mm-hmm. yeah but yeah, in it's, the it's kind first of a game trope, i think yeah well it's becoming a trope and i i think it has to do with like uh, the reality of performance capture actually i know mm-hmm. like, i actually there is a reason it's because mm-hmm. video files are horrible put onto a game file onto a disc because they mm-hmm. are so big they're sometimes you know sometimes games with cutscenes like that with a lot of cutscenes almost a quarter of the file is cutscenes it's because they're so hard to compress without making them look terrible and so basically what has happened is is that if you do an in-game cutscene where it just follows the game and the camera you are saving in tons of gigabytes of safe uh, of file, thus cutting a cost on disk production. Yeah. So hmm. that's why so many games are doing it now because it's just easier on the file, and also it shows that they are competent as directors. You know. Okay. Um, well. I have to uh, excuse myself um, for now because uh, yeah works calling <laughs> so uh, do you want to like continue uh, just the two of you uh, is there still stuff to do or uh, well there's still <clears throat> there's still a few more things that i think uh okay. mitchell and i'll cover but yeah. thank you so much for being on here with us yeah gladly. yeah um before you go is there any social medias or anything that you want to kind of call out before you um, head out plugs no still still have nothing to plug um you can join my clan in Warframe if you want. <laughs> you play on but PC. other than that, uh, it's uh, no. Yeah, it's, man, put um, that on the internet. <laughs> we'll put it in the description. <laughs> yeah, just just find me uh, in the Reddit, and uh, we will talk about Death Stranding. Sounds so, good, yeah. man. Well, have a nice have a good time at work. Here. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess uh, that's it for me. Bye. Talk to you later. All right, Mitchell, it's you and I. Yep, the American boys. The American boys. All right, what what was the last thing you left off on just now? We're talking about cinematography in uh Oh, that's right. That's right. In so games. So Were you done were you done with that whole Well, if you wanted to know more cuz I've Yeah, I, I do. I've um I've worked in a little bit of game development, like not big, anything really worth releasing or even showing people, mostly just knockoffs of other games. But um, I've, I've done a lot of research and I'm not like an insider or anything, but I've done like, I know more than the average quote unquote gamer. Um, but, you know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the things have to do is with production costs, you know. It's, yeah. Discs are expensive to make, you know. They get more and more expensive as games get up, you know. Games in the beginning of the PS4 life cycle were like maybe 
20, 30 gigabytes. Now they're getting up to 70 by the end of its life cycle because they keep getting more expensive with better and better graphics, more and more gameplay, things like that. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah. And so that, I think that's the biggest problem with it is that they, they, their, their file sizes are so large. So they're so large that it's easier to do an in-game cutscene than a uh, an actual pre-recorded cutscene, you know? Well, then the difference between actual gameplay footage as opposed to, you know, the, these video files that they're using for a cutscene, I, I mean, especially like in the PS2 era, they're vastly different files. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have to live alongside each other. But, I mean, do you know how how that works, especially in current gen? So, um, And what does that mean when... Uh, when we're talking about mocap because i know that's technically it's all inclusive from my understanding so how older games did it was is that they would have gameplay and then they would have cutscenes cutscenes were cgi computer generated images pre-made in a different software and they can press and then put onto a disc Mm -hmm. and uh, they would put them on and you would play it and basically the gameplay would look like utter shit and then you get the cutscenes that look amazing yeah and it was a big problem back then because DVDs were like what 20 gigabytes and the games were like about 8 gigabytes at the most and so mm-hmm. cutscenes weren't a big problem but as we start getting into the newer newer generations and games get starting to get more and more graphics is that those files are getting bigger and so as they get bigger the process has changed from how do we compress this better in how do we remove it completely and the choice is is in game cutscenes it's better for the player and it's better for the developer it's uh in game cutscenes aren't uh, are are easier you know mm-hmm. to they're not in the sense of they're easier to put on the disc because you don't have to do any compressing it's just animations and what motion capture does for those in game cutscenes is that basically uh, motion capture is the rough animation, very rough animation of the person moving. And then basically animators go up there and tidy it up. And then they import it into a file, you know, like a scripted scene in the game where something explodes and your character flies back and you can't control it. It's like that, but mm. extended to minutes. And so, you know, extended, you know, uh, long shots are a different thing because, uh, what Kojima's doing is different than what Uncharted 4 did. Uncharted 4 had no cuts, you know. Well, I did have cuts, but it wasn't, uh, uh, it didn't have any cut scenes. It had in-game cut scenes. But yeah. its sense was, their cut scenes were about three to four minutes long. Well, this is looks mm-hmm. like it's going to kind of be like in almost a movie sense, like 20 to 30 minute cut scenes, you know, mm-hmm. of just long shots. And the thing is, is with those ones, you they can, they can since they have cuts in them, in the in-game cutscenes, is that if they make a mistake, they can just cut it, you know, or they can just redo yeah. the take. With this, with uh, God of War and the Death Stranding, is they do it one shot, a thirty-minute take, and that's mm-hmm. a big thing for an actor, and it's very mm-hmm. daunting for even a cinema uh, director of photography, uh, and. Uh, the director of uh, 
thing. So the director of photography, the director, the scriptwriter, and uh, the actors. And it's just a big, it's a daunting task. And it, to do it right is uh, an accomplishment on its own that de- deserves uh, applause. And so when we get into games doing it, it's the, it's more of a, uh, with in-game cutscenes, it's more of a choice to save money on disk prices and files on it for down, digital downloads. And in in a single shot format for like Metal Gear Solid and Death Stranding, God of War, is more of a directorial stance. So you get where I'm coming mm. from? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I'm just um. This this gets me thinking into how God of War is being played out because when we're talking about how each individual cutscene, a 30 minute long shot, it does take a huge toll, but it also takes a lot of time to compile all of these different scenes together to complete whatever it is that you're trying to complete. In this case, we don't know how long Death Stranding is going to be, but for God of War, how many? Do you know how many hours? Supposedly, this uh, this game's going to be locking in. It's going to be like somewhere close to. He said somewhere between twenty eight and thirty hours. Yeah, which is Decent. kind of nuts, and, and that's if forty hours. Yeah, it, that's, if that's we take into good. account how long the cutscenes are, and if they are recorded that way, it makes sense for how long this game has been in development. But if we're expecting Death Stranding to come out within the year, you know, it's a much shorter development timeline than god of war so that gets me thinking well how did he shoot how how is he shooting these scenes right is it just mocap and then he he creates the scenes within the engine and then renders them that way or is he actually running around with a camera in front of these actors with their mocap or is he doing a hybrid of both because in god of war it seems like they only did the latter yeah so well it looks like with kojima i'm not sure if he's director of photography that might be someone else basically um how it looks like it goes right now is because of the the acting delay basically because of the strike they focus on just the video game part they focus on the mm-hmm. gameplay they focus on the world they focused on mechanics and expanding those and so basically with the mocap is that um with the storyboard process is basically they write a rough script and as they as they finish the script and get it kind of squared away, then they start storyboarding, which is they do drawings of what scenes will go like, you know, and that's not, that might not be the whole thing. You know, some scenes might be cut, some might be trimmed, you know, but just the general consensus of what's happening, just bump the mic, um, of what's just happening. And so Mm -hmm. then they go into the pre-production process, which is getting all the sets right, and so in this case, getting the motion capture right, getting all the props set up, and then they go into production where they actually film the scenes. And then, and uh, what the director can see is in a small little cam, is a small box of pretty low poly characters without lighting, doing the scene, with you know, and it's not perfect because uh, motion capture isn't perfect. It's just a really good rough animation for animators. Because you can't mm-hmm. just do motion capture because there's problems with it, things mess up. And so animators have to come in and fix everything and make it look all nice. And so basically it gives them a great template to work on in animation. And then they take that and as they animate it, 
then they start throwing in textures, then they start throwing in lighting, and then they start putting the scene together and then tweaking every little part. And that's how the cutscenes are formed, and then they just transition into gameplay. And it takes a long time for them to get it right, get the characters to stand where they want them to stand for that scene. And that's why I get so many of them, you know, they're looking at a character in front, and then they just spin around and they zoom out, you know. That's kind of like the the fast way of doing it, instead of just, you know, having a character, you know, walk, and then the camera kind of zooms out a little bit, and like, the UI kind of fades in, you know. There's that, mm-hmm. and then the classic, you know, with Snake's looking at his thing, in his eye droid, and then it just like, zooms out really quick. It's like, oh, there he is now. And so, yeah. So, the, the, it looks like Kojima is basically running around with the camera in these scenes. And he records it, and then once he gets a take that he likes, based on the storyboard, or maybe a little bit different, then he, you know, creates the, uh, and then he goes to the next scene, and the next scene, you know, it's a scene-by-scene process, and not every scene is filmed in order, you know, when a film is made, it's not made at the same time. They might film the last scene first, and then the second, first scene second, and then whatever, it's what is at the time period and what can be filmed at the time with the current actors and props and locations and place for time allotted. And that might be the same, you know. Maybe if they can't get the female actress in the studio, maybe he does all the scenes with just Norman, you know, maybe just dialogue or audio files or just scenes where he's doing stuff alone. And then uh, they have, when the girl comes in, the female actress come in, then they do their scenes together as much as they can. And then maybe he can't make it the next day, so he just does her scenes. And so that's kind of how they make it. And eventually you get about 20, maybe probably 10 to 20 hours of uh, cutscene footage for a game. Probably for that mm-hmm. training, probably close to 30 hours of cutscene footage of just raw cutscene stuff without lighting. And so then basically, as you progress, as you get more and more scenes from each recording session, then they start working on it to create in the game, and then you start getting the outline. Then once you get the outline of everything with all the cutscenes and all the everything, then you start piecing it all together. Start piecing the gameplay with the world and different mechanics with other other ones and the world, the cutscenes and the lighting and with the engine and everything. And so, you know, uh, what Guerrilla Games did is they when they did cutscenes is that they did their cutscenes with uh, pre uh, with a with an basically the RPG aesthetic. You know, basically they can't animate every single face in the game. Because that would cost millions upon millions of dollars, which they didn't have. And so they have this thing, which is a tool for the developers, where they scan it, what the speeches, what the words are, and then it basically gives a developer, this is what they say, and the developer can just tweak it real quick. And so that's why when you ever see uh, any big RPG, even, you know, The Witcher 3 or, you know, uh, The Witcher 3, uh, you know, Fallout, even Horizon Zero Dawn, they had this very robotic look to their face. Mm-hmm. They're talking. And that's what happens with the RPGs is that they have so many animations, they can't make them all. And so they just rely on basically pre-made animations that uh, an animator has made. You know, yeah, Which I still think is better than what happened with freaking Mass Effect Andromeda. They just that did that but poorly. They just did it really poorly and rushed. Yeah. So, you know, like... So basically what happens is, is they they hear the audio and then they just have the facial animations and then an animator and developer tweak it to make it look more natural. Yeah. You know? What they did with Andromeda is they basically did that speech thing where they heard the first letters and get the rough outline and then they just published the game. <laughs> yeah. That's what they did. And so 
and that's why it's so rough. And basically, because the because the developers were so incompetent and didn't know how to make a game, it wasn't until the last six months that the production actually started getting ramped up, and then they released the game. Mm-hmm. Is because they don't care about they care more about sales and pushing things to a deadline because they're a corporation with investors. Mm-hmm. What Sony's doing differently with their games is that when the game is ready, we'll release it. They have plans for games to release in certain windows, and they don't want to push the developers like, oh, you need to release it now. But at the same time, they're like, you still need to release the game, and you can't go over budget. But take as much time as you need to get a game that is satisfying that can reach good sales. You know, mm-hmm. Nier Automata came out of time right before, you know, people were looking forward to Horizon for PlayStation fans. But for the month of February, they had Nier come out. And that sold only 2 million copies, which sounds like a, a lot, which it is. But to other games, you know, like Call of Duty, it sells like 30 million a year. Mm-hmm. 2 million for a small game from a game series that like no one knows because it's a obscure Japanese title about a girl who's a robot with a butt that's bigger than, you know, any human on Earth who has a sword who fights robots that, you know... And then, like, stabs people with a giant sword that you can use that, like, floats behind her back with a guy who are blindfolded, floating in robots. Like, crazy stuff. Yet, Mm -hmm. it was sold because it was ready at the time in February. And so, Sony has that because... And same thing with Nintendo. It's what they're doing with their Switch. Is that they're releasing game by game by game. And so, you know, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda is what it is. And it's because it was... uh, they don't have the right tools, and they don't have the right developers. They didn't have any good senior developers. And it was like, and then you get people like, well, it's the SJW, you know, cuck of a game director who hates white people. Like, no, it's not. It's because he's an inexperienced director who's put on a huge project on his shoulders, and he didn't know how to handle the project. That's the issue, is that if you give a 10-year-old a car and tell him to drive and just give him basic driving instructions for about 20 hours, he's going to crash into things. He's not an Uh experienced driver. He doesn't have his license. And that's the problem. The small directors have to direct the small games and build up to these big games. You know, Metal Gear was still considered... It wasn't like a massive, huge game, but it was still... uh, After he proved himself for about 20 years, for about 10 years in the Konami, he was able to do this project. And But basically what they did is like he directed two games and they're like, here you go, here's... Mass Effect. And so, I think this game will start going up and different than uh, God of War is because he has had so much experience with this. And I think this will be a shorter game because how long was Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain? Like, 80-hour game? Did you say for the main story? For the main story, I say even less. 70? Um, 80, yeah. Yeah, 70, 80. Probably like, Probably 60, somewhere close to 60. I think this will be kind of like... um, Because I think the God of War will be semi-open world. So I'm guessing Metal Gear Solid... No, sorry. uh, Death Stranding will be 60-hour main campaign. Hmm. Yeah, with all the missions that you do, with all the alternate endings, which there probably won't be, but, you know, if there was. And then you probably got, what, another 100 hours of side quests? And the problem is, as a game should be judged on its quest design is the biggest part that people will take away. If the gameplay is okay, people will forgive a, a, a decent or even a, sometimes even a straight up bad gameplay if the quests are good. You know? Mm-hmm. 
Think of Mel, uh, not Mel Gasol. Think of um, Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, you can aim down sights, but the gameplay sucks. If you play it now, have you ever played New Vegas? Mm-hmm. I actually I tried to play it uh, last year. The gameplay was too bad. Yeah, and I played. And here's the thing: I I remember playing uh, what the, my introduction to the Fallout series was Fallout Three, mm. and I was the I was smitten. I freaking loved Fallout Three. I played that. I played it like four times over, back to back. I could not stop playing that game. Um, but when New Vegas came out, um, for some reason I didn't get it. I just didn't like the idea at first. And one of my buddies got it, and he st- he was just playing it all. He's like, "Oh, dude, you got to get your hands on it." And I was still playing Fallout Three. I was still loving that. And I think I was playing. What else was I playing? Probably Halo Three at the time because I was really competitive in Halo back then. Um. So it's just it just never happened, right? Yeah. Uh, and when I finally picked it up last year or maybe two years ago, I can't remember now. Uh, I played through maybe uh, I want to say maybe eight hours or so. Did you play the main quest? I got to the, yeah, I was playing the main quest, but I I didn't finish it. I just it, it wasn't captivating at all, and it was it was a lot slower moving, mm-hmm. and I didn't really like. Um, navigating through the world enough and i didn't i really didn't play enough of the main quest to you know get invested because i was too busy just figuring out the clunkiness and yeah where everything is just they're all their games are clunky and broken but i think what what why there's um an appeal to new vegas is even though the game is clunky and the world's kind of empty and things are broken the thing is it's what brings it is the writing the writing is considered is amazing and mm-hmm. the main story is slower for the side quest to take on and that's what they did that's what obsidian did better than bethesda bethesda they made the main quest like you know oh no the world's going to end you have to save your father mm-hmm. and then and this one it was well you know this guy shot you do you want to go kill him if not just go you know do whatever and what got me hooked is that I got to a part in the main quest where you have to break into New Vegas City. And I didn't mm-hmm. have enough money, and I didn't want to find a card. I was like, you know what? Screw this. And I literally left and started doing some guy who was like an escort. I was like, I need help. Someone's trying to kill me. I was a prostitute for him, and then he tried to kill me. And then I started helping him, which leads to another quest. And I just go on this down this rabbit hole of quests and all these characters that are memorable. And then me affecting one caravan girl, you know. She, her name was whatever Isaac or whatever uh, mm-hmm. or whatever her name was and you know I met her at a bar halfway across the map and then I found out this group destroyed her caravan and I worked together with her after finding her after like they met doing it and then we sneak into her their base and kill them all I'm like I've never done that you know and and also with the quest design is it so open ended and I recommend a video um, it was played let me go to his YouTube page. So, have you heard of Mark Brown, Game Maker's Toolkit? Yeah, I have heard of him actually. Um, I haven't watched any of his videos, but um, one of my friends was telling me about him. Along with, he introduced me to a bunch of YouTubers recently, including Dunkey. Actually, you've never watched a Dunkey video? I only just recently started watching Dunkey videos. I don't spend a lot of time on YouTube. Uh, Blasphemy. Anymore, just because. Like I said earlier during the podcast, uh, the the spoiler avoidance is a big mm-hmm. thing. 
Um, and what really got me into like Donkey's videos, for example, is I played a shit ton of Skyrim. I, I clocked in over 800 hours on that bad boy. Can you um, repeat for that? all the same, you you huh? you just became a robot for a second. Oh, sorry. Um, oh, you still Skyrim. Oh, so Skyrim. for Skyrim, okay. I played well over eight hundred hours. Mm-hmm. Well over, and you know, just same as you, just how you're describing New Vegas. That I, I went down that same rabbit hole with Skyrim. I didn't care about meeting the the gray beards or whatever it was. Uh, up at the top of the mountain i just went off and did side quests i was like screw that i don't want to go to the top of the mountain right now i don't have any clothing yeah so i just went nuts doing everything else and that's really what kept me going because it's very story driven and it's you know it's inherently fun Mm -hmm. just kind of sneaking around and abusing how broken the stealth mechanic is because you're just crouching and you can just take down anyone Mm -hmm. and then get getting the right perks to yeah yeah, like it's so ridiculous, but it's so much fun, yeah. and and I get that it's the, yeah, essentially the same thing for the Fallout games, but there's just um just something about New Vegas that you know I just didn't play enough to get the story really you know have the story grab me. Yeah, um, I think it's just basically the main story is takes a backseat to the side quest, which gotcha. really shine. And the thing is not, it's not about, the main quest is cool, but they made it slower just for the sake of, oh, I'm kind of bored of the main quest, this is kind of lame. And then you just, they made it to intend to say, this quest is boring, I'm going to go do something else. And then go find a person, and then go down, you know, this thing, and then do that thing, and then this thing leads to that thing, you know? And so, gotcha. that's what it is. And I sent you a link to a video called, um, Anatomy of a Side Quest Beyond the Beef, where he discusses, um, a single quest in new vegas and explains how like five different approaches can go to it you can become a cannibal you can free a kid you could eat the kid you could trick the person into being eaten instead of the kid you could fight a bunch of people as a boxer you know there's like five different things you could just do for the single quest that's like 10 minutes long and how hmm. there's like many different things you could pickpocket everyone or you could just trick the people or you could just blow everything up you know there's multiple ways you could you know solve the issue and so i think what he did which was great is that in new vegas is that you could do basically have 20 different approaches to a single issue and mm-hmm. and i think that's what a lot of uh metal gear solid 5 did and the biggest problem with metal gear solid 5 and it's not the story it's the tranquilizer gun that's the biggest issue with the game. Do I don't know why? What do you mean? Why would you use any other gun if you could just get the best time and the best score when you just use a trank gun? Yeah, it's fun to do all the other things, you know, blow up the thing or use your gun. But for the people chasing unique abilities, you know, you might get, you know, but the trank gun is just overpowered in the game. And that's why he changed it to have a silencer to deteriorate over time but even with that i think if he didn't have any silencers like only you know five shots in the trank gun you would use it way less mm-hmm. because every mission approach for 90 percent of the missions is use the trank gun once you get caught use your real gun you know yeah which is the biggest problem and i think he's going to try to avoid that with the sense of maybe i'll use this gun this time or that gun and this gun or maybe I won't even use a gun. Maybe I'll just use grenades. 
And I feel like that's what Metal Gear Solid Five was sorely missing, is that the sense of variety and structure, you know. Missions were fun, and I love the open-ended nature of it, but Five had... I don't know, man. I would I would argue that it did have a lot of variety, because well, I... I said with at first, approach. I, I mean, at first, I definitely used the Tranquin a lot, but then, you know, with the dynamic behavior of the soldiers um, wearing helmets, it's like, like, I don't want to use my Tranquin anymore because I don't want, like, wasting it, so I started kind of playing around with how to navigate the mission. But then, you know, it... it yeah. It's a whole other... For me, I think the problem was the frustration that came with how imbalanced it all... Like, altogether it was. It wasn't just the Trank gun for me. It was just everything as a whole. Because though the... It was cool. It was a really nice idea to have all of the enemies be dynamic in the sense that you shoot them in a specific place or with a specific type of gun, they will react to that. And that was fun. But though they were dynamic it would not leave you too much room to experiment any more than with, you know, uh, I think the Breath only the Wild, materials you had. I think Breath of the Wild's good uh, thing with that is this controversial weapon-breaking system. I think it's absolutely genius mm-hmm. that it has a weapon-breaking system because it forces you to move on to the next weapon and to the next idea constantly. Yeah. It doesn't force you to stick to one thing. It doesn't let you pick a favorite and it also doesn't punish you for it. Yeah. And it, because there's always an available weapon. Mm-hmm. And because your enemies you, you know you throw that freaking boomerang sickle thing and they catch it, it's like holy shit. Um have you, have you seen the Dunkey video on his uh playing with Breath of the Wild? Actually, yeah. Yeah, I saw that one yeah, and I, the I, Ultimate like, Skyrim that one. The one where he's they pick up the bomb and he blows it up, you know? It's because the, the yeah. enemies were dynamic and the rip and breaking system force you every single time even during the middle of a battle to like completely mm-hmm. change you know maybe you were trying to go long range and then maybe your bow breaks and that was the only bow you had left so you have to go on sh- short range but you don't have a gun or i mean so you don't have a sword so you like you pick up a stick and break someone's head and then you steal a weapon and then kill everyone you know? and then if you're out of weapons you have to use a bomb that you have in your yeah, inventory and you then- know your app list and and that's the thing that's really the solution to mgs5's problem is having Weapons break. <laughs> yeah, no, but having your gun jam would be a pretty yeah. pretty good solution, yeah. you know. You and obviously, making the silencer maybe four shots, huh? Uh, have you played uh, Far Cry Two? No, I actually have only played three and four. Mm. So basically, in the style of basically Far Cry Three and Four are basically they're created by Ubisoft themselves, which are basically kind of you know explosions destroying everything, mass destruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of goofy games, you know, you know, because of kind of the, the whole setting of just blowing up random people in a foreign country. Yeah. Well, one and two were created by Crytek and they're supposed to be very realistic. So if you're playing Far Cry 2 in the middle of battle, you're a gum will jam or you're just contract malaria randomly because a mosquito bit you in Africa. And see how they just like, make malaria pills, you know, in the middle of battle or, you know, healing took longer. Or whatever, or you know, maybe a gun just runs out of bullets and you can't find bullets in time, so you just have to ditch it and just find another weapon. And that happens mm. so much in the game, is that I created a variety of the sense. You know, you might want to do stealth this mission, but maybe you don't have a sniper with you because it broke in the middle of Africa, and so maybe you have to go sneak up closer to stealth. Maybe you don't have any stealth weapons, and you know, you just have to go red and gun. You know, and that was the thing of it is that. 
it was a variety of mission approach. And Metal Gear Solid Five had the same mission approach with it of go anywhere and do however you want, but generally speaking, everyone's just going to choose the same thing. Stealth. Yeah. And they're going to either yeah. use a silencer to kill everyone or just knock someone out and just take them off in a balloon. That was it. Everyone did that. And uh, yeah, that was fun, but the problem was is that there was no unique sense of I was doing something and you know, like, you know, maybe it didn't work and something completely yeah, changed. Yeah, well, I mean, the game quickly became what's the easiest way to take everybody done with this tranquilizer gun. Yeah, well, I was the Because most it, it, you, were, you were essentially discouraged to, uh, like, for using anything loud anyway, because especially if you're on a harder difficulty, one shot will get everyone on your ass yeah. and you're not going to survive five minutes. Especially with the stealth-only missions, those were annoying. And the fact mm. that they put them in and that, I know why they put them in is because they didn't have enough time to make all the other missions because they basically they canceled half the game. Yeah. And so it makes sense, but it's like ugh, I'd rather you just. Yeah. Have I mean, I like the I I, it, it, I like the idea of the challenge, but I agree it's it, it was a complete waste of more time. More like do a stealth only with no thing like no uh, indications or anything, and get an extra whatever you know, get a new skin. Yeah. Like oh, dude. You know, skin. If I do this without doing that, and then it creates a challenge. If you suggest something to a player, they'll create their own challenge. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like think of like when you're playing a friend, like you, you and your friend are playing GTA, and you're like, Duh, how, how much? Let's try to get through the donut hole after dive bombing out of a plane, and you say, sure, and you play there for an hour trying to get, try to, you know, paraglide through a donut hole. And you create hmm. your own challenges for it, you know? Yeah, see, th- this is this kind of reminding me of, uh, like, Halo 3. And I remember just constantly playing, um, like, buggies and rockets. Just that two, that freaking two, that little small ATV with two people on it. One person drives another person with a rocket launcher and just go nuts. Yeah. And see how far you could launch each other. And there's a lot of, there's not a lot of room for that kind of thing anymore. But, yeah. you know, since we're on this, um, since we already talked about the Diane Kruger thing, uh, is... Let's move on to the whole Reddit threads. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover on um, the Reddit? Premise of Death Stranding uh, with the Ludens quote, uh, Flowers Bloom again. No, um, yes, I think, so the one by Na- uh, uh, Navi, yes, or sorry, Navade? 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 Navade S said something about even if the Earth was were stripped of life and and uh, pr- uh, and produced to a barren wasteland, our imagination and desire would create world perceived beyond survival. It would pr- provide hope that flowers may one day bloom again. Through the invention of play, our new evolution awaits. We are Homo Ludens. We are those who play. You know that's the statement of it. Like, could Death Stranding? I'm like, yeah, of course it's Death Stranding. It's but they would, they picked it for a reason. And mm-hmm. basically people are theorizing right now is does this mean that we'll think about the world? And I think it, what it means is that basically in Death Stranding, even though the world was stripped of everything that we have, we're still humans. We're still creative beings, you know. Yeah. Think about it, you know. If you think of even in a post apocalyptic time, 
where people are just fearing for their lives. You'll still get people telling scary camp stories. Or, you know, a kid making up a story about an alien fighting a, uh, a Nazi, you know, whatever. You know, shooting Hitler and like, oh, look at the alien, they're helping us. Or, or whatever, you know. Or a dinosaur helps Buzz Lightyear fight off, you know, whatever. In human nature is we create stories. We create our own world, our own fantasies. Mm-hmm. And so I think people are like, is it Death Stranding related? And yes, in the sense of, yeah, even if we're in a barren leech land and flowers and whatever, the same, it basically, it's basically saying how humans naturally want to entertain ourselves. We also, we always naturally want to do that story. And it's, and they chose the language specifically because it coincides with Death Stranding. And it might be, oh yeah, the world's stripped and there's not a lot of life. And everything's dead, but we have hope that life will come back again. And so, it's alluding to that, but I don't, I don't think it has a direct connotation to Death Stranding. It doesn't have a direct relation. Yeah, I mean, I I can see why people are trying to reach and really uh, try to find some sort of meaning in within this quote and and attributing it to Death Stranding, just because a lot of the thematic techniques that Kojima has done in the past you know with the earth being stripped uh, this is definitely a very ecological themed game right and I kind of want to roll back into this other reddit post I forgot who posted it but it was essentially a story on what was it was it on AP kind of (laughs) shout out to Albert in Australia uh, that there was a huge Death Stranding of whales, yeah. like 150 whales, right? And yeah. it's it's indicative of our time, and that's one of the things that Kojima has done. Every game that he's created, he has these sort of themes, and I think people are using that as a basis to be like, okay, well, this quote is probably not just for Kojima Productions as a whole, but it's indicative of what Death Stranding is going to be just based on how this might be a survival game of some sorts, you know, just to kind of nitpick some of the language here and how it is a barren wasteland. It's where he's setting up this world as a few semi-futuristic world of what he expects to see, not only from us, but within this game. Well, you know, and it's, it's not necessarily a prediction, but kind of where, where we're going. And this is supposed to be a, a sort of satire on, you know, where the world might be, just how Metal Gear Solid 2 was where technology and politics were going to go. This might be where we, as a species, and, well, as a species where we go and how our planet will be in the future. Kind of just, you know. Well, Kojima has always used this game to talk about things he fears. And as any great artist does, is a, a, a little bit of artist. And then, you know, if you've watched Blade Runner 2049, have you watched mm-hmm. it? Uh, no. Okay, well, there's a character that says, in every piece of art, in every, there's a little bit of every artist in their work, basically saying, no matter how much you want to take yourself away from your art, it's always influenced by yourself because oh, yeah. art is There's always some thing. truth in it. And so, yeah. Metal Gear Solid 1 was about the fear of, you know, of terrorist groups getting a hold of nuclear weapons and threatening us, you know. Metal Gear mm-hmm. Solid 2 was control. How much does the government control in this internet age? Could they control anything? Could they control everything? 
How much are we being lied to? How much is being collected? Metal Gear Solid 3 was, how much is our past is dictated by the winners? How much is it mm-hmm. dictated in files that have been redacted and no one will ever see the light of day? What are, you know, and 4 was, what happens when uh, a war economy takes over the world, you know? What do we do? Is it, how does our society react to us, to us consuming war as our economy? Um, Metal Gear Solid 5 was, was what does it mean to be human and if I'm taking revenge is that is that humane is what I'm doing right because what I think is right I, th- I think is right and no one else will say anything that will think I'm, will make me think I'm wrong because in my mm. eyes I'm a hero and revenge you know is what he's doing it's just you hurt me, I hurt you. And so it was like the sense of, oh, I'm a big boss, I'm making up my army. But in retrospect, if you see it, it's like, no, I'm a terrorist organization. I own a nuke. I could blow up a country with this. Any small country, yeah, I and- blow up. And so, yeah, and to kind of build on to to kind of build on that, it's it's definitely in you know kind of one of the things I mentioned earlier that it's it's an indicator of the time. And if you think about uh, how old Kojima is, he grew up in the age of Nuclear the war. Cold War, mm-hmm. you know, and with the Cold War, it's just, his generation had that fear. They they had to live their days thinking like, well, we're at the brink of a nuclear holocaust at any moment in time our world leaders can just start this nuclear winter, you know, and it's, it was that looming fear um, that I think there's been a lot more exposure to it now in recent years in the past decade, because it's not something that people directly talked about. You know, it was just one of those kind of unspoken fears back then. Mm-hmm. And there, there's this, uh, there's this other guy, um, this professor in Canada, in Toronto, his name is, Oh, I can't remember his name. He wrote a book. Yeah. about actually growing up uh, and he's a um, he's a clinical psychologist um what is his name oh i can't remember right now but he's this clinical psychologist who's also a professor in the university of toronto um and this book just kind of covers all of his it's not psychosis but his uh, you know his psychological theories and standpoints on not only his generation but on how history and perspective has played out Mm -hmm. since the cold war and how people are affected and how people will see the world forward right and i think that kojima is actually one of those people who's at he he does the exact same thing that this professor did he is expressing these like you said fears and notions that are not directly talked about and bringing them to a medium that is not only consumable by newer generations, but it's it's very personal, real. It's very it's very personable. Yeah, because we are in the game. We aren't playing the game. We are in the game, and that that can bring about many issues that uh, have been brought up in recent years with political stuff. I'm not getting into that, but basically, what makes games different than movies, than books, than art, is that games they're, are personal. You they're interactive. They're interactive. They're interactive art. Mm-hmm. And so you are controlling the person. And when you're playing a game, say, you don't say, in this game, this character did this. You say, oh, I was playing this game and I did this. Because you're playing the game. You're not experiencing the game. You're playing the game. And that's what makes games unique. And I think Kojima has a fear um, of 
what the effects of global warming is going to take on our environment, what the yeah. effects of social media take on our, uh, the Gen Z and millennial generations. How will it affect us? You know, is it going to help us or is it going to harm us? Or is it, will it be a mixture of both? We'll get good things and bad things out of it, you know? Will we have something great come out of it? And since it's so new, we don't know. We yeah, don't it's know. like that proverb about of a, of a coin. There's always two sides, right? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then we're always teetering on the edge of that coin. You know, take Facebook and its recent leak. And basically, yeah. on one side of the coin, you have, wow, I can connect with all my friends who I would never talk to otherwise. You know, mm-hmm. uh, from high school friends or middle school friends or my family who just I can't just keep in touch with because, you know, maybe they're older and we don't call as much because I'm just busy and I can maybe message them on Facebook and that will be easier. But as we get that, we get commercialization, which comes from mm-hmm. now. They're taking advantage of the consumer and start targeting ads. And then they have all these ads and then all this media and all these videos and articles and stuff. And then all the people and your friends and the people who are supposed to be important to you are buried by this uh, look at this. And mm-hmm. then you end up be feeling more alone than you would have if you didn't have it. And so that's a double it's a double edged sword. You know, one side, yeah, you can I communicate agree. with everyone. But at the same time, now you're a pawn in in information game for control of what you want in your life and what you will be dictated to buy next. See, but that's what's interesting when you, when we start talking about social media, uh, like especially with Facebook and Instagram and things like that. They, like any technology, you always get some and you lose some, right? Mm-hmm. There's it is always a double edged sword because we only get as much out of it as we give, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, for example, with Facebook, all of that data mining happens because of how much data you input. Mm-hmm. Right. If you had just put your name, no birthday, none of that, just a name, an email address, and a profile picture, I'm not saying that you'd be absolutely clear because they can probably still mine, you know, mine data from your browser and things like that. That's a whole other conversation. But just from the, yeah, just from the site alone, the amount of data that's actually taken from Facebook is not. It's somewhat controlled by you, the consumer, right? So where this comes into play as it being a double-edged sword is just that if you're putting in a lot of information in, I'm not saying, like, and I'm not saying this is the truth, but if you're putting in a ton of data in and you're still surprised that somebody knows some of that information about you, it's just like, well, you put that out there for the, for the internet to see. That's not what, you I'm, see what I'm talking saying? about. I know what you're saying coming from, but what the double-edged sword is in on the internet is that you're no longer a person you're a cattle you're an animal you're only there to make money and basically if you go on Facebook today or even Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter uh, Twitter might not be a good example but Instagram, Snapchat and Facebook they're bombarded with ads. They're bombarded with people sharing articles. Sharing no, yeah, videos. but that's what I'm saying. But that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like with that information that you input, some of that 
advertising is directed at you because of that information that you're inputting. It's not just advertising. It's just the whole platform has evolved into sharing stuff and stuff communicating. It's more about sharing something that you found interesting and not communicating. There's no... It's less about a social nature I see what you're saying. of it. I see what you're saying. It's less, yeah. it's less social of it now. It's more of, hey, look, I read this cool article and stuff. It's hey about guys, cons- it's you? about sharing content yeah. rather than it is having having discourse. A, con- a connection with someone. Yeah. Uh, so, I understand what you're saying. And that's what his fear is that, you know, he he goes on Twitter and says, "I'm eating lunch and having this sandwich." Yeah, and he's communicating with them, and you know, he's like, "Hey, I found this cool article," but you know, he uses it more as an abeyance of uh, Kojima uses it as that, but with a lot of uh, millennials or uh, Gen Z, uh, like my generation, and your generation, is that it, it's become a platform for just entertainment. And what it was meant to be, which was social media, social media, a social nature to it, and there's no longer in this disconnect, and we've become detached from the social part of it, and it became more of something that... A media consumption tool. A media consumption tool. And that's his fear. Mm. Is that we don't know how... We, we have this constant consumption of everything we consume. We consume YouTube. We consume games. We consume books. We consume movies. We consume everything. Everything is consumption. Mm-hmm. And social media is the sake of being in immediate contact with anyone at all times. And I think he's, what he's saying is that with... Um, Death Stranding and he's saying we have aspects of social media and I, the social media won't be simply be like oh social media is bad it's more of it's being used wrong it had a good mm-hmm. nature in it and then it by greed it's getting clouded it's yeah it's clouded. getting clouded and it's getting filled and maybe the, I think you're onto something here man I think you're definitely onto here something because if, if we're if we are using it wrong and I'm I'm essentially convinced that we are. It's that it's supposed to be a tool for communication in the sense that we have discourse with one another where it's it opens up a conversation regardless of what the topic is. It opens up a conversation for people to go back and forth. Yeah. And so I think you're I think you're 100 percent right. And so his fear is basically and what he's going to I believe what he's going to follow is that. The day the world ends, the apocalypse it's basically, we lose contact with everyone. You know, the the day power dies or the internet dies or whatever. You know, people mass delete Facebook or whatever. There's going to be this point to it where, uh, you know, will we know how to react without this mass media consumption, without the immediate contact with other people and validation? And... Hmm. rekindling that nature of genuinely talking to people instead of sharing a link to your favorite new YouTube video. And so, and I think the sense of Death Stranding is, he said, the rekindling, as uh, Norman Reed said, the rekindling of that connection, the real-world connection between two humans with a genuine conversation. And he said aspects of social media, and I think he'll be commentating on the way social media has been used to create this uh, thing where it's created uh, a, a nature where we don't talk to people genuinely in social media anymore and especially Facebook Facebook is not genuinely talking to people anymore it's more of 
media consumption. And so the trending, mm-hmm. I think, with the parts of media that he's talking about is that basically you've played Pokemon, right? Yeah. You played Metal Gear 1, right? Mm-hmm. Remember those moments when you're playing it and then you get stuck, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do? There's no internet. You can't. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I you, distinctly you remember that just going to keeping. A yeah. Going to a friend. I said, hey, man, did you figure this out? And they, well, I heard a rumor about this and how you get Mew too. He goes, wait, you mean you have to push a truck to get Mew? Like, yeah, that's what I heard. And, you know, you talk to other people. Think of PT. PT is an amazing example. Of that, mm-hmm. Is that in PT, you have this, uh, this game where uh, basically you get it and you can't finish the game by yourself at all. You can't finish mm-hmm. the game by yourself. And people got together and started working together. And the same thing with um, the nukes on uh, the P- on uh, Metal Gear Solid Five is that mm-hmm. to get rid of the problem, we have to work together. We have to join as a community. Think of Arrival. Have you seen Arrival? Yeah. And how that was made to bring the world together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he's trying to go for, is the rekindling of that connection of generally talking to someone, being interested in having a, a, a dialogue between two human beings that are, you know, questions. And, you know, if you watch a movie that's really thought-provoking, you, you have a discussion afterwards, and you see your theories, and maybe someone has a different thoughts on it. And then you start exchanging ideas, and it starts this dialogue and this conversation between two people that mm-hmm. uh, social media has taken away from that other mediums haven't and social media in its in its production is it's taking away from the social nature of it rather than giving more social and you know and i think he's going to commentate a lot on the environment as if you see these mass strandings you see oil spillings in the ocean you see you know all these things that happen in the world and the world's warming and ocean levels are rising whether you believe it or not Kojima does and he's mm-hmm. going to put this in his game and he's going to put his fears like he did fear with nuclear war and nuclear power and governmental power with uh, and censorship and war economy and he's going to do the same thing with this game but with a sense of social media commentary uh, hmm tearing down society and bringing us back to our tribal kind of form of living in uh, tight-knit communities only talking to other ones for beneficial gain mm-hmm. and the environment and if we if we if we shit on the environment long enough eventually we have a time we realize we have to help it and we have to save it it's too late and we can't do anything about it you know maybe in the game there are doing this thing and they're messing with wormholes and by the time they realize oh wait this was a mistake they can't do anything they can't stop it now and it leads a turn of events that they can't prevent and they can't stop which leads to the world becoming crazy like this and you see giant creatures exploding and people flying and whatever and floaty hands on the ground you know maybe with a sense of neglect of the environment and of of things that have clear warnings simply for gain you know maybe Maybe they discovered this other dimension, and instead of, you know, trying to understand it, they just said, "Oh, we're going to use this as, you know, whatever trash. We're going to just throw all our trash into this void, or we're going to try to use it to gain infinite power, or 
whatever, replace oil, mm-hmm. and then it, and by the time we realize, oh wait, this is wrong, it backfires on us completely. And I think that's what he's a lot is going to do. Uh, with that, is that he's going to focus on our effects as our selfish nature as humans, and how we refuse to accept problems because we are reactive. We humans are reactive, not proactive. We don't want to prevent anything. We just want to react to it. You know. You know, we don't go out of our way to stop something. You know, we don't go out of our way to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. Once we get fat, we want to eat healthy. We're reactive, not proactive. And I think he's going to commentate on that nature of humans that we don't want to prevent anything. We just want to end it when it once it happens. And so, uh, with with the whole global warming and with the whole social media and how we're, we've secluded ourselves and we've become uh, not even secluding ourselves but uh, companies secluding us from our friends from having general dialogue with them due to media consumption and us neglecting the environment due to not caring you know and it's just basically think of uh, you know the straw that broke a camel's back this rising tension that's going to build up over time and then it all breaks and humans are left devastated. A great calamity happens and then society is thrown into this place where we haven't seen before. And I can feel a lot of horizon in it is because horizon is about humans going back to their tribal times. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to our tribal times where we were just, we would hunt and gather and we would communicate with only other groups either to kill them or to mutually gain or, you know, get something out of something and so uh, that's what the whole thing about you know what does it mean to be human and I feel like with humanity right now it's that we're so disconnected from everyone else that what happens when all social media goes away could we be the same would we react the same would we have trouble going back into normal society without social media and I think that's what he wants to touch on and what he wants to explain of, you know, the world will become this place where we, you know, you know, will will we be able to react and interact with the world and other human beings with a normal sense of a conversation after it disappears? Mm-hmm. And, you know, think of that stranding if the, if the government collapses and it's just cities, tribes, keeping the world together. A thin government like the last of us that isn't really in control but just there for a sense of security to the people mm-hmm. and you know humans brought onto its knees and we don't have the social nature to it of social media or online consumption or immediate information or gratification or feedback and we have to you know go back into the real world it's like an animal being fed into captivity you know it, it, it was injured in the wild and they brought into captivity healed it and then they just threw it back into the ocean you know mm-hmm. will I know how to swim will I know how to hunt and so you know and I think that's what he wants to touch on and I want to hear your thoughts do on you, it. well do you think that he'll um, well let me, let me start this way um, this has me kind of teetering on two different ideas mm-hmm. uh, just based on everything that you've told me so far is Kojima going to just touch on the concept of social media you know on this sentence he's just going to be you know part of the main um 
is it going to be just another storytelling element or is he going to include this somehow in the game quote unquote social media aspect slash gameplay yeah because one of the things that i'm really wondering uh i was actually having a conversation recently with uh with uh it was my niece and nephew and one is seven the other one is four right and one of them asked me is like what did you do like did you have tablets when you were little and because they have tablets mm-hmm. yeah and i was just like no i was like well what did you do and it was my nephew and we were at the park and he's like well what did you do and i was like well uh i used to come outside and play with my friends and he's like what it must have been awful and he was just like kind of taken aback just like that how do you live your life without your tablet right and you got me to thinking like, well, how would, how would society react, right? And how would Kojima put this into this game? Is he going to have a social media aspect uh, theme in the sense that maybe there is some sort of a crash that, you know, causes this forced connection with people because they're going to, because they need it? Is that going to be a, a plot driven element? Or is there a, literally a gameplay aspect that's going to force you know, people like you and I to connect via the PlayStation Network to be, hey, I'm either stuck at this point or I desperately need help or I need resources. How can we, you know, work this out? How can we mutually gain? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think and, that... Uh, oh, wait, you, you can still go. Go, go. No, yeah, and I'm thinking that he he might do both. Like, maybe there's both of these. Um, maybe, you know, both of these ideas aren't too far-fetched and he'll include them in there. Um, but I'm sort of hoping to see that he'll include not any, like a trading system, if you will, because if you're connected to someone, if you're connected with either, whether it's a friend on the PlayStation network or somebody you meet on some server while playing online, you know, whether online or offline, you can make some sort of a, not only trading of items, but trading of you know, uh, spaces of spaces, like, uh, like going into their world and exploring it as they've modified it into their kind of understanding. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly either that or just kind of exploring the, let, let's say that I'm at, you know, point a of the game, right. And I don't have a certain item to progress for whatever reason. I have a friend who is across the world and is at a different point of the game and has this item. Either I could trade with him or I can plop into the area that he's in and maybe grab said item myself and then come back. Yeah, yeah. So, like, maybe he'll maybe he'll use... And that's, what, that's the thing, because social media is such a vague thing to talk about in this when we're talking about this game, because it can mean either that, something gameplay-related, like how I just described, mm-hmm. or literally a thematic piece of the story. Or it could even be like, a, you have to download uh, a, something like Twitter, you know, and communicate people. But I'm thinking a lot in the sense of... Bless you. Uh, more of the... <laughs> rekindling of the the nature of social parts of talking to people and i i, I keep thinking because he says think of the time before social media before the mid-2000s and that's mm-hmm. when when you played a game and it was hard you just talk to other people and i think in pt 
was like that, and the end of the the end game of five was like that, where you just, uh, you know, you have this part of the world where you can't finish it on your own. You need help from others. You need to talk to other people, and maybe it's chapter based, not like in the sense of once a month a chapter release, but the game is fully there. But to unlock the next chapter, everyone has to work together towards a common goal. You know, maybe everyone has mm-hmm. to do a certain thing to work together. You know, think of like a like a puzzle, a giant puzzle, which you have to find the right pieces at the right time to open up a new thing. And so, uh, I think that with gameplay, I think it's going to be kind of yeah. I think I might have a social nature to it where it's uh, a a uh, maybe you know people fade in and out of your world and not in the sense of Dark Souls where or Bloodborne where they're just like you kind of see a figment of them I think of something more like Journey where you're just running around and then there's just another Norman Reedus you see in the distance running around and then you go to him and it disappears or maybe they actually uh, affect your world and maybe they can actually you know do something to modify your world while they're kind of floating through dimensions. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's an app, which, you know, maybe it'll, I don't think it'll just be a social commentary. I think it might have gameplay in the sense of rekindling that nature of going outside. Think of Pokemon Go. You went outside. You talked to people. You went to Pokestops. You went and talked to people. You met friends. You met new people. You know, maybe people you wouldn't have met ever if you didn't have that. And I think that's a good, uh, you know, thing, a good example is because we rekindled that nature of going outside and talking to people. And you you have to be careful when talking about social media and its effects on people and the the thing of going outside and actually talking to people without sounding like, you know, an old man yelling at the clouds, you know, know, oh, social media, you know. And, you know, I think social media can be good, but... If used wrong, it can become harmful to a person. They could only seek only validation through social media. They don't use social media for any social part, and they just use it for video consumption. Maybe they want physical connections with other people, but it's been so far out to something that it, it can never go and it can never return from. And so, and I think that with Death Stranding, it will try to incorporate includes elements of social media, basically saying. You know, maybe that, and I don't think it will be as simple as, you know, oh, going to like a group chat, like, hey, can someone help me? I feel it would be more of a nature of uh, going out and like talk, like actually in the world, in interacting with other people in the game, as if you were there and actually talking to people. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the only way to meet a friend is to die and then go to that person in the purgatory, see their corpse, and then go into their corpse, wake up in their world, and that's what you do, you know? Maybe it's like, you know, infinite bodies, and you can go to another world, and maybe that's how you help a friend, you know? You, you see their Norman Reedus, and you just go into their mouth, the baby gives you, you're locked in, you know, you got a good thing, and they come <laughs> out, and then all of a sudden you're a baby in their world helping them do something, you know? Maybe you're the baby. Maybe if you're helping a friend, you become the baby, and you... Oh, I lost you there. What? My audio? Oh. How about now? Mitch, you there? 
Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Well, I was basically saying, it's like, if what if you're the baby? Maybe if you go in that world, maybe you become that person's mm-hmm. baby and you can look in the world and see things they can't see, you know? And you, and you have to point towards where the floaty figures are, you know? And maybe you can see it, but he can't. And hmm. kind of like, uh, you know, there, there, maybe it's like a, the, the thing of, you know, uh, the, 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 the bomb game where you have to defuse a bomb, but one person has the manual and you have the game and you and it's randomly organized. And so you basically the person has to figure out what the bomb is and help you defuse it. Maybe it's like that. And you're actually having to communicate with someone. It's like, oh, no, there's a guy here and you got to help you and you're helping your friend. By basically becoming the baby and explaining where the guys are, choosing your thing, and then maybe when he's aiming, you can't see, and so you can't help him. Hmm. And then when he's done aiming, then you can actually see and start pointing towards the enemies as the baby, you know? Maybe that's how it works. You know? You know that's That might be an option, you know, maybe. Maybe. Maybe you switch worlds, or maybe you clone yourself, like... There's infinite possibilities with the sense of social media in a game. Will it be yeah. as simple as a message board where you can trade items, or will it be I can interact with your world from my world? You know, so uh, there's there's a lot of things that can be like that. Yeah, it sounds like it'll be the latter, but it just how it's actually going to be presented. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be it's going to be crazy. I think because maybe, maybe we're overcomplicating it. You know, maybe, maybe it's going to be something very simple that we just haven't thought of, or maybe we have, and it's just you know, once it's actually presented, it's going to look different than what we imagined. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it can be taken a billion different ways, mm-hmm. especially with creative people. They can just interpret it however they please, and so as they interpret that, then they can just do whatever you know. If you give someone an idea or a premise of a book, you give someone a basic premise of a book, and you give it to ten different people, and you tell them go in ten separate rooms, and then you come back and ask them, "What do you make of a story about it?" You come back, each person probably is going to have vastly different ideas on what they think the story is about, and what characters mm-hmm. are there, and how the story goes. And some of them might be more close to the original story, or some of them might be completely different, and it might be something unique in the sense of that. And so, I think that with the nature of it, is that I think that the game will be locked unless you talk to other people, either online or in person. You know, hmm. maybe it maybe to get to the next step, you have to have help from someone else. You know. Maybe from that, maybe they have to go online and actually talk to someone, and maybe that's how you make a new friend, or maybe you have to actually go to someone you know in your life, and like, hey man, can you help me with this? You have to download this app and then, you know, help me with it, you know, yep. and then you start. Yeah, playing. I wonder how hard that's going to be to pull off, though, especially with the internet as it stands today, because, you know, how how is that going to translate? You know, having to need help, because if somebody's, you know, it's one thing to say that reviewers get their hands on this game start playing it and they start reviewing it and they start creating walkthroughs simultaneously right mm-hmm. um let's say they figure it out but if they're if they can't figure it out without the help of the other people who are accessing the game you know that'll be really interesting because then they wouldn't technically wouldn't be able to really review the game to yeah. its capacity or even create that walkthrough so it's just 
that's why I'm curious because it, it this whole social media thing can potentially affect the way everyone interacts with the game. Reviewers, let's players, us, the regular consumers, anyone. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I think that this will be kind of uh, of its time. You know, if you play Pokemon Go right now, it mm-hmm. won't have the same effect. It won't have the same craze and the same childlike wonder to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think when Death Stranding comes out, if it if it is more of like a, a not like Destiny as in live, but like as in you had to be there to experience it, you know? Mm-hmm. Your grandfather can tell you all the war stories he can, but until you go to war, you won't know the feeling. And so maybe when you play it, as it unlocks, as a saying. community, we work together to accomplish a goal of rekindling a connection, of talking to people and communicating and working together as a civilization, as a group, as a people, to work towards a greater goal and to finish and lock these things and understand it more. We will gain friendships that we didn't have before. Maybe, you know, maybe my friends are busy at that time. And so I just message someone randomly, hey, does anyone want to help me? And someone says, sure, y'all a mic? I'm like, yeah. And then we start playing together and maybe oh we have some things in common oh you like that game oh you like this movie too and then we start talking and then we become friends and then you know next thing I know you know he's the best man at my wedding you know yeah and that's how games evolve and that's how social media evolves and I think games have that very personal nature to it with the connectivity of talking to another person playing online just meeting someone on Xbox Live and just talking to them or you know and meeting a new person and becoming friends with them you maybe don't even have to be friends and agree on everything, but as long as you agree on this one thing on on playing this game, then you'll have fun together and you'll create a friendship over just one thing. Yeah, well, maybe what di- dictates how people behave with each other on the internet is the the drive to play that game, right? Because th- the way I see it, when you're on the microphone playing Call of Duty, playing Battlefield, the objective is very clear. It's point and shoot, right? So there's two kinds of players when it's a first-person shooter. So there's the players who actually care about the objective and the ones who are just there to, you know, talk all the smack that they possibly can. Um, maybe maybe Death Stranding is going to have some sort of an elimination system where why would I want to talk to you if you have absolutely no intention of figuring out whatever the objective is? And... Uh- because well, uh, we're, we're still, you know, we're still toying with the idea of whether or not there's, there's going to be a multiplayer element in the sense that there's going to be team deathmatch, you know, because if that does mm-hmm. exist, then, you know, then I'm totally wrong. And this whole idea is, you know, thrown into the fucking trash can. Mm-hmm. But if this whole online element is different than just team deathmatch, deathmatch, king of the hill, um, how, how the way people behave towards that common goal will really play out into what you're describing mm-hmm. you know cultivating friendships and cultivating relationships and connections and strands if you will with people yeah. um and i think the biggest disconnect with dark souls and bloodborne is that if you play with someone online by re- ringing the resonance bell you see mm-hmm. them they help you with the boss and then they leave and you never see them again yeah and, uh, and yeah you know oh it's online but Unless you want to play online with a friend and then you have to get this thing and then you have to get the residence bell and the insight and all this stuff. And it's just a huge mess to mm-hmm. play with a friend. 
or you know meet someone online and talk to them and and the community and it doesn't create a community over that but the community was born over going online and like how the fuck do I get past this boss you know how do I get past it and so it goes I know you do this like, okay I tried that but it didn't work like here add me and then you add them you know and then maybe you know you bond over lore and the community was fostered over this game is hard mm-hmm. let's work together to finish it together you know, let's work together and finish it and that's what they did and they started working on it to finish it together well that's the thing that gets me thinking into what kind of game this is going to be because the what we see now we have games like Overwatch right where it's forced team effort mm-hmm. and that creates you know that environment for you to talk and because unlike like you said like unlike Dark Souls they're gone there's no incentive for you to talk to these people really mm-hmm. you know um I think and I'm hoping that Dead Stranding turns out to be one of those you know a game that will cultivate relationships a game that will at least based on everything that Kojima has given us with the information in the trailers and his interviews and Twitter that it'll be some sort of a team building experience I don't know exactly what that's going to look like Mm -hmm. um, but I roughly have an idea that it'll be similar to Dark Souls in the sense that people could come in and out of the world but at least they will be able to stay they will be able to communicate um Maybe he has the answer to the Dark Souls problem in that sense, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, we don't know yet. Maybe we're completely wrong, and it's just an yeah, app. Yeah, but we can you, hope. We where you can just text someone and just say, "Hey, can you help me with this mission?" And they go, "Okay." Can you yeah, well, that's the yeah, that's the strange that, thing. But, but he said he wants to do something different, and so I feel like he's going to try to take a, a, a different approach. And I'm not. Yeah. Uh, but it's hard to imagine what different is when we're trying desperately to figure it out, you know? So think of a new uh, color or smell a new smell. You can't do it. Yeah, it's you just can't until and, you until it's presented. Yeah, and yeah. what what's baffling is just how is he going to come up with that, right? How has he been able to surprise us all the, uh, this many times? And how is he going to do this again, maybe? I know. I'm um, just thinking of the idea that I had before. Like, I just brought up, you know, the, the baby. Like, maybe... You have to, if you yeah. want to help a friend, you have to die, and then you find their corpse, you go into it, and then you come into the real world as a baby and help them that way, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's just like, I, I think a lot of game design is just brought up from discussion. You know, think of this. I wouldn't have thought on that idea on my own, but since I'm discussing it with you, I've thought mm-hmm. of it, and then as I thought of it, I expanded the idea, and then I told you the idea, and then you have a different perspective on it. And you know, mm. maybe the idea, maybe that's not even, that's probably not what he's doing. But the idea may have maybe not been brought is. up before of interacting with the world like in that way with another person in their game. And so maybe that's a new thing that they're doing together. You know? And that, that so the idea I just had of the baby and going to the world as the baby, that would have not brought, brought up unless I was talking to you. I would not have thought of it on yeah. my own. Well, I mean, even yeah, even to build on that though, uh, when we look at the trailer with Mads Mikkelsen, how he has all those skeletal soldiers just kind of kneeling in front of him, maybe they're a group of people that we're playing, right? Like maybe maybe Mads is connected to these five different players, and they 
you know, they have all died and then somehow he can pick up their bodies and essentially recruit them. Yeah. Creating a squad. Like, uh, Maybe like that's a, that's another possibility. Like a near enemy. Yeah. Yeah, but instead of it actually just being like a, you know, just like a shell that's just automatic, like maybe it's actual people. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they've died and they've gone off into a new world. But, you know, maybe you'll get a notification of you help this person win a battle. And there's a, there's a, I can't, I want to spoil it. And you really need to finish near because it has one of the most impactful endings I've had in a game in a long time. And it's one of those endings where it just goes, Oh shit! Like, you kind of like almost like watery, and you're you kind of get choked up, and like, in that sense, it's sad. It's just like, oh my god! Like, they thought of this, they thought of this idea, mm-hmm. and they and they find people to do this and work together in this sense, and 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 you, and you get a choice in it, which like is like wow, like, it's like almost like a, a the trolley, you know? Do you kill one person, or do you let the train kill three people? Do you directly kill one person or let it kill three people? And it's just like, do, hmm. do, do I do I kill one person or let it kill? And it's like this uh, question. It's like a tough question. And they have it at the end of the game. And it's amazing. And so, you know, and I think working together is what it's going to show. Is, you know, maybe we're not going to use the stick. We're not going to fight each other in a... Anyway, we're not going to do a team death match. We're not going to do a, a PUBG match where we're going to shoot each other. No, maybe we can work together as a, as a rope. We, we use a rope. We build a bridge together between societies, between people, and we uh, uh, and we build a society, mm-hmm. and then we build this group, and we build these bridges, and we make this community, and we bring the, them all together. And we create this rope, and we don't fight each other. We're not fighting each other. We're not trying to kill or see who wins the bat most, wins the most matches. We're working together in the sense of using our language as a as a rope. We're working together. We're encouraging each other instead of using it as a stick instead of insulting each other and fighting each other in a game. So hmm. I think that could be, uh, you know. A subject, you know, where discussing that is that, you know, maybe we'll maybe the rope is he's talking about is us working together. We're building a bridge yeah. with a rope between people on Reddit and people on Twitter and people. We're just talking now through the internet, and mm-hmm. you know, instead of you know fighting each other and saying, "Well, my theory is the most correct theory." You know, and, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's literally it. how this whole podcast started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and maybe even you know, just to one of the things I keep imagining in having this conversation with you now is we keep we're keeping the whole idea of strands and sticks separated, right? Well, how do we combine those two things? Right. If you if you really think about it, you can't really make a bridge with just ropes, right? Yeah, you can connect to people with ropes, but you can really create a bridge with sticks and ropes. Yeah, good uh, steps. Yeah. Huh. So, and that's kind of that's one of those ideas that keeps rattling in my head. It's like, well, maybe Kojima is really trying to include both of these things together, you know, by 
kind of keeping it close to the chest, not really telling us what it means, but it's, it reminds me of the whole keeping someone at arm's length, right? It's that fear of ha- uh, that fear of somebody else being able to hurt you, mm-hmm. but also keeping them close because you don't want to be alone. Yeah. And it's the balance. And so, I so maybe you're, that- yeah, maybe that's, you know, akin to how you're describing the end of Nier Automata. And Maybe that's something that's going to be very real in Death Stranding because it, it definitely seems like it because there's something connecting that that baby and there's definitely a very clear strand. But what are the sticks going to be besides guns? Oh, think of this: an axe. Mm-hmm. What can it be used for? Cutting wood. Killing. And killing. It could cut wood. It could someone's in a burning house you could cut down a door and help him get out or hmm. you can use it to hack down a door to kill someone and say here's Johnny you know uh, it's a tool and a weapon it's a stick and a rope it's a tool but also a uh, a, 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 a weapon which we can use maybe guns won't just be you know yeah. Maybe there'll be a life gun. I don't know. <laughs> oh, thank you for shooting me to life. I think of um. I mean, children. I mean, the is, yeah. I mean, that's not so far fetched now that we're not, now that we're just saying it that out loud. Because I mean, we already do have games where there's, you know, med packs, right? Like, well, why not have a freaking gun like in like Anna in Overwatch? She replenishes people's health with with her gun by shooting them directly. A health gun, as you just said. <laughs> but yeah. you know, maybe you know you have a gun. Well, think of the shields from Breath of the Wild. What can you use them for? A shield, you know. But you can a use surfboard. Also a surfboard, you know. <laughs> like you know, think of a uh, you know certain items like the the master sword. You could either you throw things with it. You can uh, block with it. Well, you can block with it, but you can you know, use it at arm's length. You can throw a boomerang, which you can hit people with, or you can throw it and then catch it. Or the bow. It can be either used to kill people. Or start a fire and burn down a building, mm-hmm. or break a rope, or whatever. Uh, versatile. What what will the versatile verbs be? You know, will mm-hmm. will a versatile verb is basically a verb is an action in the game. Press A to do B. Versatile verbs is press A to do A B C D E F G. You know, A might have multiple input meanings. What do you do when you hold it? What do you do with that? Mm-hmm. So will an action will a weapon also be a tool? I think they will. Uh, will a strand just help you? Will it help you? You know, we use it to help other people, or we use it to and take others from people and invade the world and kill them and take. I think I think it'll be both. I mean, it, it just think of like of a of a grappling hook, right? A grappling hook can do what? It can you can shoot it up into the top of a building and it'll help you climb up because it'll latch onto the building. Yeah. You can also shoot it at someone to harm them. You know and. Or even pull them down from the building. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I think it'll be really fun to experiment with that, that kind of thing. I yeah. wonder what kind of weapons are going to be allowed and what kind of ropes. Because I I don't think that rope and stick is just a concept that he's playing with. I think it's going to be an active form of... Interactive. Uh, yeah, of weaponry and items. Because like, if it's actual ropes, that's one thing. If it's the actual wires that are coming out of people's umbilical cords, whatever, like 
that's just one iteration and i think there might be more maybe there isn't yep. i could be wrong think about this just because there's been there's been a lot of u- utilization of ropes and games like with uncharted and the batman games and even uh horizon zero dawn there's been a lot of emphasis on ropes on a very physical sense but because kojima is definitely laid this down as a conceptual thing yeah and it's not like a physical rope like we're not gonna get a physical rope and stick they are uh, examples, basically, yeah. for uh, certain things. Is that when you use a uh, certain item, is that uh, that basically that certain items are are ropes. You know, a healing item helps you, or maybe a tent helps you sleep, and then you have a, a stick, which is a, a, you know a, a gun or a bow. Or a knife. And so, basically, what he's working on is basically, we always use sticks in games. We always use guns. We're always killing. We're always blowing up things. What happens, we, we aren't using the rope. We aren't, help, we aren't using things to our advantage to non-violently solve problems. You know, play Destiny or Far Cry. What's the solution to everything? Shoot. And he wants to do something different. Maybe not shoot. Maybe, you know, I don't know what he, he has in mind. He He's worked in the industry for a long, long time. And so I'm pretty sure whatever he's going to do, he has meaning and intent. And it's not going to be uh, half-assed. It's going to be intentional and to the point and polished. So I think that, you know, at this point, we, we are just rambling about ideas and stuff. And, yeah. I, and I love that. You know, just having ideas, but I think that at this point, there's not enough information. We have no idea what gameplay is. No yeah, idea. But one, but for all we know, maybe we would have called something by now, and it will see it in the next trailer, right? You know, maybe I said something about whatever I don't know, half offhand thing, just as an example, mm-hmm. and then the next trailer, that's what the gameplay is like. We we don't know yet mm-hmm. because it's just we'll, we'll see. It's like a, I I told you, like tell someone, uh, read them a synopsis of a book. The, the, the basic plot on the back of the book tell them what you think the plot's gonna go like and then you you'll get 20 different ideas on it so mm-hmm. yeah I think that that's training right now it's just not enough information and I understand what he's doing but the problem is is that he announced it way too early I understand wanting to be secretive for the project to surprise the viewer I uh, surprise the player and then moving secrets but you don't announce a game in 2016 and release it in 2020. That's just not how you do it. You don't announce a game and don't release it for four years. Mm-hmm. Tell me a year before launch and they give me all the goods, you know? At least two yeah. years at the minimum. But three to four years, that's just way too much. I'd rather see nothing and just hear I'm working on a project for until 2018 and then get a trailer at that E3 and then say, coming holiday 2019. And then get a bunch of trailers mm-hmm. between, between then, which gives us hype. But right now, the community is so starved for information because it's just a dry season. And I, I don't think this is a good thing. As the mm-hmm. problem is is that with Metal Gear Solid 5 is that he told too much. He just showed us everything. And this is not showing us anything mm-hmm. at all. Three trailers for, what, two two years? Mm-hmm. And, he's in, and if he's expecting it to come out later this year... Before 2019, what is it? What is that? 
Like, what is he planning on doing? I don't know. And he has got a lot of competition this year, too. Yeah, he, he says... Because with, with God of War coming out next month, you know, you bet your ass the prices are going to drop around the holiday season. Yeah. And you'll you know, and pick up this weird experimental game for $60 or this critically acclaimed action game for 40 you know? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, Detroit to Become Human or Nino Kuni 2 or Yakuza 7 or... Yeah, Far Cry 5. Or, yeah. Spider-Man or, PS4. Or, like. or uh, Destiny 17, the DLC version. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, Call of Duty 8 or Battlefield 7 or uh, Anthem. Or, yeah. You know, Zelda I forgot 7 about or Anthem. New Mario, Metroid. You're being bombarded with so much competition. And not mm-hmm. even just competition from other studios. Competition from... You're same publisher. You have to compete with mm-hmm. your games from Sony. Yeah, and that's that's, that's going right to be a, Sony games th- is that's that they're having to compete with themselves. They have to compete with each other now. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's 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 simultaneously a great year for Sony this year, but it's also going to be a very harrowing one just because of how many titles they're having slotted out. Because yeah, they're going to have a bunch of titles out, but how many people are going to be able to buy those by the holiday season? Yeah, and Sony is ask right the now, question. Is that their problem is is that they announce a game as soon as it's being developed, and then they never tell us anything mm-hmm. for three years, and then they release the game. And it's not the problem is not the game's bad. Usually the games are good, but why announce it that early? I don't see the point. If you have maybe it's to gather statistics. Maybe it's just to gather preliminary statistics on how how many people are going to buy them. Well, it's because it's well, like the pre-order thing, right? A lot of people used to use pre-orders as a way of uh, of as analytics to be like, oh, this is how the market, this is how we project the market's going to be this next quarter. But that's not really working out anymore. So maybe that's why they're using the whole hype train to kind of gauge how long they could keep consumer interest. But, you know, I, I could be wrong. Um, I'm only saying that because uh, I deal with analytics every day um, and being preliminary is always helpful but it isn't ev- it isn't always efficient, so that's why I'm saying it could be wrong. Yeah, well, predictions are always they can always be wrong, but yeah, you know, Sony's not having a big problem with selling copies. Their biggest problem is just announcing a game, you know, and then not releasing it for you know yeah three four years. It's just like they're create they're creating their own problems. They're creating their own problems. really like there's like that's what's happening. There's no need like if God of War. Think about that. When was it was it announced? Twenty sixteen comes out twenty eighteen, about less than two years later. Less than two years, about a year. Really, in. the announcement the announcement was in twenty sixteen. Yeah, that's when we got the first trailer. Really, E three twenty sixteen comes out. Oh uh, yeah. About that's a right. year and a half later. That mm. is good. That is good marketing, because they announce it. Go. Oh, that looks interesting. You get a year of hype for it, and then you get the last six months for bombarding with ads, and then you get the game. Mm-hmm. You know, Death Stranding. It got announced two years ago. It's probably not going to be released until twenty twenty uh, twenty nineteen. Three years. It mm-hmm. Just announce it in twenty eighteen, and then release in really announce it in holiday twenty seventeen. And then twenty, how? Then you do E three twenty eighteen, get the final E three trailer, and then that holiday season or whatever, or that next beginning of the year, release it. 
a year and a half. A year and a half should be the max for uh, marketing a video game and announcing it. Mm-hmm. At that point, you're just announcing it and you're setting yourself up for failure because then you create these false expectations and these false things and people start hyping it more than you should have. You may have done a good marketing job, but then people may market themselves. They'll market the game themselves. And they start creating these ideas and have these thoughts in their head. You know, Blade Runner 2049, its it, uh, it trailers didn't tell us plot. You know? Mm-hmm. It didn't tell us anything about the plot. And it created this intrigue in it. It's like, well, what is it about? Until we eventually got it. And then we're like, holy shit. And the problem was, is yeah. that in the marketing went wrong with the thing is not that they show, they they showed too much and i know that we don't even know what the plot was yet they showed Harrison Ford in the trailer for Blade Runner 2049 mm-hmm. it's like the movie was intended to not know that he was existing in it because they didn't have any of the same characters and then randomly just have a character show up just like after a 20 minute sequence waiting for him to show up with his tension and then have him show up like, oh, shit, that's Deckard. You know, and the marketer's like, look at Deckard, look at him. Remember Harrison Ford? Mm-hmm. Remember Harrison? And so, yeah. So, Sony's digging themselves into a hole. Mm-hmm. Yang Yan's not sourcing his videos and claiming he's making these ideas. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, hashtag remember Harrison. Hashtag, that's what we're going to take away from this. Hashtag remember Harrison. Hashtag <laughs> fuck Konami. Uh, hashtag Jesus. add me on PUBG. Play some matches. Oh, actually, yes. I've actually been playing. I still haven't gotten my chicken dinner, but <laughs> we'll definitely need to do that. Uh, I think that's probably the best place to start signing I off. Guess before we close out, is there anything else that you want to cover? Uh, you want any plugs? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Marshall Virgil. Um, you can. Uh, Follow me on Instagram at the same handle. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm there. I talk about movies. I have directors of the week. Uh, this week's director is David Lynch. Um, and I have a list, which is Blue Velvet, uh, Lost Highway. Was it was it Mahogany uh, Mahogany Drive, and then uh, Eraserhead. Are those the movies of the week from David Lynch. So get out and watch them because part of Mitchell's movie club. Uh, nice. Yeah. Follow me on my socials. Um, hopefully, uh, here's, I'll let you guys in a little scoop from uh, inside the minds of a, of a interactive artistry. Right now I'm talking uh, with some co-producers here about potentially doing uh, non-podcast content, something more along the lines of Ahoy's Polybius documentary, things along the lines of uh, Mark Brown's Game Maker's Toolkit, Nikki's Jakey's uh, If Movies Were Games, and game uh, emotional impact on games and what they do with the uh, feelings of people, um, you know, maybe uh, analysis, you know, maybe... You know, maybe it'll be more serious, like uh, Mark Brown's Game Makers Toolkit in Ahoy. Maybe it'll be more kind of goofy, like, uh, you know, sequelitis mm. or, uh, you know, Nakey Jakey. 
uh, in his videos. That sounds really weird, but that's just his YouTube name. He makes really good uh, videos about the emotional impact of games and the social nature and, you know, you know how uh, games can impact you more than just simple entertainment. So a lot of resonates with uh, interactive artistry. That sounds awesome, man. So, Let me in on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you some good. stuff uh, tonight. Cool you beans. Know, so, yeah. Anything you want to plug? Uh, you can follow me at Justice for Wardo, all one word, the number four, both on Twitter and on Instagram. That's essentially it. Don't really have much of anything else, but then we have interactive artistry, so... Yeah, man, we're good there. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, also, guys, uh, uh, Daniela and I did a live stream of a way out uh, on the Internet Artistry podcast on on the Twitch channel. Um, yeah, uh, I can probably send a link to uh, whoever writes the descriptions for the show. Put a link in there. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We're gonna live stream later this week, um, possibly on. Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Um, so stay updated with the Twitter and Instagram when we uh, update you on when we're streaming. Uh, follow me on Twitter and uh, Daniela on Twitter if you want to hear about uh, announcements of us live streaming. Uh, we were live streaming way out, and we're going to finish that later this week. So uh, follow us on there if you want to know, or just the general interactive artistry uh, Twitter and Instagram if you want to know, just general without the annoying of me talking about random <laughs> shit on my Twitter. Sounds good, man. Death Stranding Podcast is part of the Interactive Artistry Podcast Network. Make sure to give us five-star reviews on iTunes because it'll help a lot. Uh, we're all, you can also find us on Podbean, on Twitter, Instagram, all under Death Stranding Podcast or Death Strand Pod. We're also on Tumblr, Facebook, and YouTube under Interactive Artistry. Follow our outlets for Kojima and Kojima-affiliated content and updates where you, the audience, can reach out to us if that's your thing. As a closing note to our listeners, we here at Interactive Artistry are always looking to improve the quality of the show and tailor it for you, the audience, of course, to make it the very best Death Stranding Kojima show it can be. Enter giveaway sweepstakes and help us grow for just a dollar a month on patreon.com slash interactive artistry or patreon.podbean.com slash death stranding. If you have any feedback you'd like to share, reach out to us through our online outlets or whatever means that you can, if you can find us, that is. Now take care everyone, and remember, the game has already begun.